Hello everyone and welcome back to Final Sector. This is our F1 mid-season podcast. We're going to be covering the first half of the season, kind of just as a general, uh, you know, what we thought and where we think it's going to be going for the second half of the season. We're also going to be covering a lot of other big, big news topics that have been happening uh, that we haven't really talked about because I knew this was coming up, but there's a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, Plus some some silly season talk as well, which... uh, you know, it is silly season, so you kind of have to expect that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just get straight into it. So much to cover. But, Kyle, uh, you are still in Mexico. You're leaving tomorrow, I think you said. But um, how how have you seen the season so far? Um, do, you, do you think it's been a good season? Where do you see it heading? Just as a very general uh, overview question, how, how have you seen it? Yeah, it's been it's been super enjoyable. I think you know the fact we're still here, we're recording, we've you know hit every every episode so far means obviously we're enjoying it. I'm yep. enjoying it. Um, you know, it has been off for a while now, so it's nice to look ahead and know that you know in a little over a week's time we've got some more racing. But um, it's it's very exciting. We may not have that battle at the top that we might have hoped for, but um, the mm. fact that P two in both the drivers and the constructors, you know, is even more unclear than it was after the first race. I yep. think means we've got. You know, plenty to talk about here and still plenty to look forward to as fans of the sport. So I'm excited to talk about it all and I'm excited to uh, get racing underway again soon too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the way I've kind of structured this, I've, I sent you my notes before. I've been amassing these yep, yep. for, I don't know, the last month or something. Um, it's it's There's just a, there's a lot to cover, but I've kind of got it separated into... Um, the first half is where we just talk about the, the season recaps and the talking points and who we think's done well, who we think's under pressure, um, just a lot of the chat around that. And then we'll move on to more the the futuristic stuff. So the stuff that um, has been talked about that'll be coming up either in the second half of the year or for 2024 and beyond. But uh, Indeed. Um, yeah, most of this is just going to be, at least for this first bit, is just, you know, talking about which teams we think have excelled, which teams have fallen behind, the sort of storylines that have uh, kind of happened because there's been big storylines and they've been very, they've shifted quite a lot, even just in half a year of a like of a season. A lot of I feel unexpected like storylines, right? Yeah, a lot, exactly. A lot of things yeah. that have kind of come up, and now we can look at them all in hindsight and go, all these things happened. But what does it mean now? We've had half the year. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, I mean, we'll start with the the, the big one. at uh, well, I, I say it's. It's it's one of the big ones. I think Red Bull and AlphaTauri, I'm going to kind of lump them in as kind of a yeah, group because sure. uh, I feel like you kind of have to just because the way the storyline is sort of panning out, it, it does involve both yes, of those teams. Yes. So, um, you know, starting with the, the first big question that I had, and this is, I mean, you can answer this legitimately or you can make, or you can kind of joke about it, but do we think that Red <laughs> no. Bull will actually win every race this season? I mean, they've had such a such a dominant start um it it just seems like every every time a team you know we'll talk about mclaren and you know we'll talk about aston and and Mm -hmm, mercedes mm -hmm. and that a bit later on but every time it feels like a team you know oh they're coming back and they're getting a bit closer it's it's like but the the rebels still always one or two steps ahead it doesn't matter how much another team catches up they're just they're just out in front and their reliability has been like incredible as well so it just find Mm. i find it hard to believe that they just won't win every race it just seems like they're just going to do it it's just an inevitability but i'm curious if you think that it will last or if you think the second half of the season will will throw some things up now the simplest answer is to say with every car finish in the race without any significant issues right Mm. um 
there's no way that they that they lose at this point, right? Yeah. Um, it, it would have to take either you know a really really big accident, which you know I guess it would need a big accident to take out one car, and even Checo, you know, on those days when Max has been taken out, he's kind of been there, even if he's not always been there. So it's not also to say that you know it's got to be Max up there, but yeah. without some divine intervention from the gods, you know, um, yeah, something blowing up. You know, one of those cases where we've seen, you know, in these dominant seasons in the past where reliability has played into it. Um, without that, you, you can't, you, you wouldn't be able to bet on it, right? We even joke in our predictions to say for the second half of the year, we each have to pick a race, which we think Red Bull will <laughs> expire and not get the podium for just to, yeah. to you know, it, it's this, you know, the fact it hasn't happened yet, you can't say, oh, it's more likely to happen. But as the year does go on, as you know, some parts start to go through the same cycles, it is more likely. But mm. the fact of their track record so far with their reliability and how, you know, their main driver is doing thus far, Max, um, I, I'd, I'd be surprised to find an argument where you could pick a track that, you know, a team looks like they could legitimately beat them. You know, AK, like, you know, like uh, Brazil last year, for example, you know, as an example, yeah. you just don't see it happening at this point at all. So, yeah, yeah, agreed. I think. Yeah, like you say, I think it definitely requires some kind of like either crash or, you know, this the second half of the season is generally where you start to see the reliabilities pop up. Um, a lot more engine penalties and everything like that start coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Because people are running low, stretching things thin, you know, realizing we're not going to make it. So. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and we've already seen, you know, Max has taken a penalty for a new gearbox. It was, you know, only the mm. five, but it, it didn't end up matter Like, it didn't end up mattering. Um, no. It's... It's it's so I'm hesitant to yeah. say a penalty. Like even a penalty exactly, about yeah. it needs to be a breakdown or a mm. bad crash, right? Yeah, Which yeah. Always can happen, you know. So that's why we just got to say, look, I think it still has a chance, of course, but yep. anything outside of that, you know, they're not going to legitimately be beaten on on raw pace. I yep. I can't see how, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that that you know the the, the curveball I will throw in there. Um, Christian Horner's basically said over the over the mid-season break that that's basically it in terms of their upgrades. They're pretty much entirely focusing on the 2024 car now, which obviously yeah. makes a lot of sense because they've, at this point, basically locked down both championships. Uh, it, it would take a miracle for anyone to get even close uh, to beating mm -hmm. Max or Red Bull. Um, so it makes sense that they've completely shifted to the 2024 car. But in saying that, if... Uh, I know Mercedes, I think Toto's just come out the last couple of days and said they're basically focusing on the 2024 car as well because they want to go back to... They don't want to just fight for the P2. They want to focus on getting back to number one. That's They'd be very vocal about that, obviously. So, um, But, you know, McLaren and if Aston Martin can find their way back and, and Ferrari obviously want to prove that this, <laughs> they're still quite up there as well, if they do continue to develop through the rest of the 2024 season, there is at least a chance that they can close that gap a little bit. So um, I think there's still a little bit of hope, but it's it's like a, a tiny sparkle in the distance that you might be able to reach, but you have to really stretch your arm out to, to, to grab it. But uh... I think what it'll come down to is if any of those teams, which, you know, we'll, we'll go into a few of them next, so this mm -hmm. is almost a good segue, right? Sure. If some of those teams know that hardcore continuing to develop this year will cover 90% of their design for next year, mm. then there's less of a risk going for it. As you say, Toto's come out and almost said that they've already had to switch because they know that they need a lot of time to almost you know, go back to a baseline and switch to something brand new. True. Something yep. they know is not worth, you know, A, trying to get done this year, so therefore B, they shouldn't develop this year's design anymore in the, you know, more limited design space you have. 
So if the likes of Ferrari, McLaren, I guess McLaren could be a big one here, right? Yeah. And Aston say, well, we're actually still going to go guns blazing and switch far later because we're basically going to be running the same car next year. Mm. Um, then there might be something there. You know, there's always a few changes um, and I guess you get more of a bigger development aero research spend for the next year. So it's not like, you know, Red Bull switching early means they're going for a brand new concept, right? It's not necessarily yeah. that, um, but it just means the other teams could potentially sacrifice a little bit of gain next year if, you know, the likes of McLaren think, let's go all in to try to get P2 because even if we start next year a little behind, a P2 this year would look absolutely oh, incredible, right? Incredible, for our exactly. For everything. Yeah. So yeah. I can see them and Aston maybe taking a while. Mm. Um, Ferrari, I think, is a question mark because yeah. they did change a bit. Who knows if they're also going to go? Ah, we're going to scrap it again, right? You could see it, or you could also see them doubling down. So, um, it's 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 it could lead things to be closer. Again, it's also going to make that P two really interesting, right? I think the mm. big one, as we get into, is McLaren. You know, they're they're behind the rest of the the rest of the best, but really, you could see them, you know, smashing it out and, and overtaking the rest of their rivals aside from Red Bull. Um, is that the path they're going to take? Is Aston going to, you know, almost say we had a smashing start? but this is a long-term project. Let's put this on ice for this year and actually focus on next year as well. Focus mm. on, you know, the title or even more solid P2 next year. I don't know, man. There's, yeah. there's, you know, you can keep going on this with those teams regardless of everyone else behind. Yeah. It's, um, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you're right about, yeah, McLaren and Aston, definitely. Like, you know, Aston have obviously talked up their, their five-year plan uh, and this is the first year where you've finally seen, you know, they're not, they weren't talking complete garbage because uh, I was a very big doubter. It of wasn't that. Alpine or Renault talk, was it? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that. We'll get onto that. That's yeah, that's yes. that's, that's a bit later. <laughs> um, but yeah, like at least they they showed up at the the first you know the start of this season. They're like, oh, they're the second fastest car, and they were at the time. Um, yeah. And I think if they somehow managed to to get their act together for the second half of the season, and then also fight for that P two, that'd be huge for Aston Martin as well to prove and say, you know what, we're this. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a whole lot of talk, and uh, you know, we've actually put our money where our mouth is, and you know, pushed for the longer term, you know, right? Not exactly. Just a flash in the pan. You know, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but I want to go. I want to bring it back to the the Red Bull Alpha Tauri. Um, yes. because obviously we, we did mention it very briefly. Obviously we have Ricardo in for DeVries, um, mm. and Ricardo's basically just come out flying. I feel like he's, I still think Sonoda is still, is, is a lot more comfortable there at the moment. You kind of half expect that. I think, uh, you know, even though, uh, a lot of the, the people in Red Bull and AlphaTauri, like in the, the management side of it are basically like Ricardo needs to come in and basically be beating him, beating Sonoda immediately. I think that's unrealistic. Um, I think at least getting a couple of races and, and see, at least showing that he's more or less there with Sonoda, probably just slightly behind. I think Sonoda being in that car, obviously the first half of the year does help quite a lot, but it's, I think it's promising signs for Ricardo coming straight into that team. Um, you know, he does look a lot happier. He looks refreshed. He looks a better driver than he was at McLaren. So, um, I'm I'm curious to see how he goes over sort of a longer longer stretch of time. Now that he's you know he's got the uh, almost that honeymoon period off. You know where he's like he had those two races and then a break, um, and now he's in it for the the next whatever how many races we've got yeah. till the end of the season I'm, I'm curious to see how he does over that long stretch again getting into a rhythm and um whether he can he can continue that form but uh 
it leads into which I might even I might even leave a lot of this conversation until we get to the silly season talks and the twenty twenty four lineup stuff because I think that's uh, probably all related to that. But um, it, just to to kind of preface before. Before we move on to, I guess we'll talk about McLaren next. But before we move on to that, Helmut Marco and Christian Horner basically come out and said <laughs> that like Ricardo is 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 almost certainly looking at that Red Bull seat, um, and they're obviously not going to take Max's seat away. So you know, there's there's Perez there. Um, it, it's I don't. I, it's so hard to to read what they're gonna what they're trying to do with Perez whether or not they're happy you know it's it's very obvious it's a it's a number one number two driver sort of team you know a lot of other teams it's it's kind of real they've, real murky but yeah they've set up something they can let cook here I think they've moved a mm. few chess pieces right where they've moved DeVries out the way partly I think just because I think when you look at how many juniors they've gotten juniors actually yes. doing really well this year you know I guess including Ricardo almost as a in that bucket as well. Yeah. Whether who they should have gone with, that's another conversation, right? But irrespective, they did as this year progressed on. Went wow, there's a lot of guys that could have done well there in, in you know in F2 in Super Formula etc. Um, but I think with what they're set up now, they've got a good kind of pot just to let cook till the end of the year. They've got mm. as you say Ricardo coming back, who looks like he's already had a bit of flash of brilliance, but. Sonoda also looks like he's doing quite well. He's, yeah. you know, keeps snatching up those last few points pretty consistently, which you'd say is a pretty big turn of form. Um, Definitely. And you wouldn't say it's because, oh, well, that car actually should be coming second. It's just that, he, <laughs> you know, Sonoda's poor. I, I, I think few people are, are saying that, you know, there's a reason there's some movements in management in that team. There's a reason there's been some pretty harsh words coming out of management between departments, right? That doesn't happen, you know, if just your driver's doing poor. So, mm. um I think it'll be interesting, yeah, to see how this this Yuki Ricardo thing goes. But Definitely. also, um, it's it's obviously they've now got a bit of a backup that um, even if it's next year, mid next year, end next year, which seems more likely that you know if Ricardo does perform, they seem to still be you know he hasn't said it, but I think he's kind of you know not not disagreed with it per se. Mm. So that could be something that that comes out where um. If Perez falters, or I guess if Ricardo performs better, then you know they'll they'll see how they go. But they've almost set it up where this year, you know, they don't need to decide. Like Perez is obviously knows what's going on. Yeah. Ricardo knows what's going on. They've still got you know eleven races this year to mm. to actually you know try try sharpen both their pencils to see what they can do. And if you know they all fall off for some reason, well, they've got a few rookies they could take an absolute chance on. Yeah. So yeah, I think they've, they've put a few things in place to let let it cook. They've got as we say some some other changes being made. So um. We're not going to get some instant results, I think, but mm. it's certainly something where each weekend you're going to, you know, be looking at a few different people, going, "How have they all done? Where do we, where do we rank them so far?" And we're going to see yeah. how it goes. So yeah, for sure. That'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, definitely. But we'll leave. Uh, I've got a few more notes here, but yeah, we'll leave that till a little mm. bit later. Let's move on to McLaren. Uh, you obviously talked about the, you know, their their huge rise to basically the second fastest car at the moment um the rise v2 yeah team to just rise it's yeah, it's incredible and it, it happened so so quickly it happened over the course of like one or two races and then it's like oh it they were it was two weekends yes was, austria was the teaser yeah yep great britain was yep. you know the confirmer and the races after that have just been further confirmations mm, yep yeah exactly so i i mean the only the the question that i had here is can they fight max uh at the top and 
and this goes back to my previous point it's like if they if they do continue <laughs> yes. to develop that car if they continue in this trajectory you know they've obviously found with the, the upgrade package that they've taken it was quite a big one so i don't expect any big upgrades if they are going to take any for, kind of there yeah um I, I i wouldn't expect it for a while but um if they can continue to develop, if they can close that gap even more, particularly in, you know, we, we saw at Spa as well, you, the, you know, the, uh, was it the, one of the qualifyings with, with, whether it was for the sprint or the actual qualifying, I don't, I don't recall, but, um, you know, Max was like nearly a second ahead, but one of the other qualifyings was incredibly close. It was, you know, within, mm. you know, half a tenth, basically with um piastri behind it must have been the the sprint um but uh yeah i mean that's that shows how close it can be and if, if, if red bull have basically said hey we have no more upgrade packages like they'll take little ones here and their track specific stuff like you know that that every team does but in terms of big upgrades like they're done if uh, mclaren are like hey we want to we want to push to maybe even fight for for a win here or at least give give ourselves a chance and they start bringing you know they bring another bring another big update package sort of later in the year um do you do you see that being a possibility of them fighting for that p1 or do you think that's maybe they should be a bit more realistic and say hey let's let's focus on next year as well now that you know teams like red bull and um and mercedes are sort of moving in that direction I guess they've got a chance, right? Like, we've seen that that McLaren seems to work with a number of different setups. Mm. The Red Bull can as well, but it seems a little harder to get up to speed. Yep. And we've also seen in, you know, a few race starts now, both the McLaren drivers aren't afraid to get their elbows out. Now, yep. yes, yep. Max can generally breeze past in some regard, but as the year goes on, if there's a weekend, you know, that McLaren, for both drivers, they're still probably able to get a little more out of it. You know, this this is a massive change. You're not going to suddenly understand how to get the most out of it after one yeah. or two races, right? Maybe in one week of the off-season where they're, you know, all working, they, they can, you know, have a look and see, all right, we raced at, you know, three very different tracks with three completely different car configurations. They yeah. could still get a ton of performance there. So I think your one golden ticket, you know, for for mclaren would be to say you know they get that weekend where they're just straight on it maybe somewhere like singapore where it's a little harder to overtake where where's a little more of a problem i know max is again a god at that but mm. there is every chance a red bull get it a little off and mclaren get it a little on whether they're gonna double down and really focus on that for this year i, I don't know right i yeah. could see them doing that to try to try and get it to try and get you know a win especially when both their drivers you know i guess which is the next bit to talk about mm -hmm. mclaren um you know are, are doing so well and if you know that they have norris who's you know uh, been their star but piastri so far is showing you know immense talent after half a year you know um being off of f1 for a year working for a completely different team and yet he's already you know really showing the you know the likes that we saw at norris when he first joined yeah so they could go either way um i guess i'm not going to bet on it but <laughs> you'd still hope that mclaren you know pinching at the heels for any sort of mistake from red bull mm. and if they do make it they're going to latch on to it and hopefully get something out of it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like you say, you know, with um, Norris and Piastri both performing, uh, as I, I mentioned this in, in previous uh, recordings as well, but, you know, with it's it's not uncommon for uh, a team that starts to rise and you have, you know, the, the rookie driver in or the, you know, the, the newer driver in there sort of gets left behind for a little bit um, while the star driver in, you know, Norris and this instance uh sort of takes off ahead and you know they they get all the 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 you know the the 
the points and the podiums and the accolades the or whatever, all the yeah, results yeah, from, yeah. Um, you know, the the big upgrade because they're able to be on it straight away and the the, the rookie driver sort a lot of falls behind. It's potentially a big change, right? Yeah, exactly. In but, case, uh, but but in, but in this instance, you know, Piastri has been the the second that car's been quick, he's been just as close to Norris as he's always been, uh, which is mm. is it's incredible like he's shown that he can adapt to to, to that as well uh, and as you say exactly. you know he can get his elbows out and um you know he's not afraid to regardless of what happened when he was um when he got that dnf in spa it shows that he's not afraid to go for those moves as well like well, yeah, the point was that was because he was trying to get his elbows out yes, you know and try yeah. something which is i think we said and everyone else said at the time couldn't you couldn't blow yeah and yeah. it's um i was just gonna say i i saw a really interesting article title earlier which basically was called um norris leads the way at mclaren but can't afford to ignore potential of piastri i'm mm. like i like how that's worded yeah yeah um, not that there should be any kind of threat there but of course yeah you know, um mclaren's always kind of rallied behind you know norris is their golden boy but i guess there's a conversation to say if they've got two golden boys you know does, mm. that, does that change things up a bit hopefully they can actually you know utilize them both to do something amazing but yeah, um true it's yeah yeah. yeah, we've seen we've we've seen that uh, that relationship sort of uh, tank before in a team. <laughs> so let's uh, let's see where hey, that one goes. Max, Max and Daniel Ricciardo, right? Yeah, yep. yep. <laughs> Don't need to look that far back. Nope, very <laughs> true. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. I'm very curious to see if McLaren can keep that up because I think that'd be, as you say, with having two drivers, um, you know, up there fighting for those podiums as well. That makes mm-hmm. it really, really. I I wouldn't be surprised. To see McLaren finish P two in the in the championship at the end of the year, even though they are what they're P four, P five, or something at the moment, like they're not. Essentially, they're behind the train. Yeah. They started late, yes. but they end the season almost looking, mm. as we say, the most the most adaptable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, I guess we'll, we'll move on to to Aston as well. One of their rivals, yeah. right? Yes, that's the other side where mm. yep. started very strong. Um, it's it's interesting how you evaluate how they ended because no one in the team seems to say they ended weak it may be that they underestimated the performance games some of the other teams would had Mm. right you don't hear the drivers kind of coming out saying oh the car was horrible oh we made mistakes you know um yeah i guess we'll get into the drivers in a second um because that's obviously a big point of this and something we've talked about before when reviewing seats drivers etc and yep. when aston may need to change things is a yep. bit of a you know something we might be leading towards here but um <laughs> at least both of them seem to be saying you know look there was nothing wrong with the car we were just driving it but we could have made a bit of you know different decisions um but you know you could say oh well it looks like they're struggling a bit they're not going to pick it up but then again they were the team that came out of nowhere that were challenging you know max at the start of the year so there's no reason they couldn't take some time off and just figure it out you know and make it make a little bit of a jump again they're not that far behind right yeah um given that top is so close the difference between p2 p3 or p9 p10 can sometimes be you know a tenth of a second a lap and sometimes that can you know flip you completely around depending how ferrari mercedes now mclaren are doing so definitely um, so uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doubtful of them. I think I'd still give them a few more races to say, look, yeah. I think they've had a bit of a wake up call, and that's what they were saying, you know, at the end of particularly um, at the Belgian Grand Prix, where they thought they might have caught up a bit. Yep. Um, but you know, when we say that, we're almost saying, well, let's see what you know Alonso can do to recover. Mm. Right? It's still now, you know, um, yeah. Alonso still sitting there. I think P P two or P three in the in the drivers' championship. Right. Yep. yep. Um. 
even though that car's falling behind. And then Stroll is, of course, nowhere near there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we've said this when we always talked about our driver predictions. We said that, look, while Aston's position doesn't really matter, they're not really going to be forced to change Stroll around. As soon as he maybe costs them one to two places, that's when they'll have to look <laughs> at it. And you can it's already see, fruition. you know, yeah. I know Alonso's had this strong start. If Stroll had have had his strongest start, they should probably still have P2, you know, in the constructors pretty, pretty confidently, if not slip back a little bit, even if their performance slips, but they'd have built that solid buffer at the start. But then they had one driver building that buffer. So now they might just fall back, you know, not even through, you know, Stroll's fault. It'd be the same with Red Bull, you know, fighting a really close title and, you know, back when we had that close title with um two years ago, if Checo hadn't pulled his weight, it would have yep. pointed his fingers at Checo, right? But he did yep. his bit there. We're almost seeing less less weight on it here, but Stroll could be the reason they lose up to two positions, which yep. is massive for their brand, their credit, tells a completely different story for their comeback when you look at the history. Um, so do we you know, do we do we think he can pick it up? Um, yeah. What what do you think? You know, uh, it's- I don't I don't know. I mean, bef- <laughs> before before I get into to what I think about that, the the one thing that I think mm. is is pretty telling that they don't. I don't think they really. They don't even really know themselves. You know, they had. Um, uh, yeah. I think this was. Oh, I was going to say as of. No, it must have been after Canada. It was like a, it was a few races ago um, where they did start slipping back, and the team principal Mike Crack basically said that their new t- new season target is like fourth or fifth in the constructors, um, and mm. they they're currently sitting third. So yeah, I have actually got that note here. So they're third in the constructors mm. still, um, probably just behind Mercedes. But they were targeting fourth and fifth just after right. a few bad races. And you, I was sitting there. They have he has since changed his tune a little bit. But after reading that comment, I was just like, "That's like you were you were a comfortable P two for you know mm-hmm. the first ten races. You were comfortable P two, and you're like, now we can fight for fourth or fifth. And it's like, bro, what are you what are you talking about? Like, how have you yeah. got it so wrong? Uh, I know they've talked about how they 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 brought an upgrade package that sort of sent them in the wrong direction, and that just goes to show, mm-hmm. I guess, how how much that can." you know, just getting one, one update package wrong, how drastically that can affect your, your season. Right. Like that's, and that it's, you know, completely changed their expectations for where they're going to end up. Um, and I think they, since he, since has come out and basically said after spa, where they saw a little bit of an upturn in performance again, that, um, they can still fight for that P2. They, they think they figured out, um, you know, where they were losing all that pace and, and they're, they're hoping to come back a bit stronger. And he says he's at least somewhat confident that they can do that or at least try for that. So I think that kind of goes to show that, you know, in the, in the space of two or three races, they've gone from, you know, uh, we, we're fighting for fourth or fifth. And then they're like, oh no, we can still fight for P2. And it's like, well, which one is it? Like, I don't... Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think yeah. we have to wait a few more to see. Yeah. I don't think they're even sure. I don't think they're, you know, going to crisis mode, but... Mm. Yeah, I think we need a, a few more races than after a break to see um, where everyone lines up a little clearer. For sure. But uh, I, I do, you, you're very much right about Stroll. I think Stroll, he's had, you know, he in, in a couple of races, you do see his, his, his race craft and he's able to make some of these, you know, amazing overtakes and these fights through the field. And, um, you know, and he, he can do it. He just does it 
so it just not regularly enough and a lot of the yes. time it's fighting from way at the back to maybe score a couple of points and then he still ends up you know Correct. Even, he still ends up behind Alonso at the end of the race anyway despite the fact that oh he's you know fought back eight nine places and it's like Correct. but you're but still three or four matter. places behind Alonso. Back to- yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like I you know they have I'm just trying to you know we'll talk about this in a bit as well but it's like I don't who who do they replace Stroll with if uh, you know they've got Drogovic in there? Drogovic won the um, the F two season last year. Would they just put him in for Stroll? I don't. I don't You'd really think s- they'd need to put in a rookie that they would then be looking to train up for the next four or five years, right? I suppose so. I know that Alonso, although he's good, isn't isn't doesn't have infinite time on his shoulders. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and even if he did, they'd still want someone solid to at least finish. Mm. slightly behind him so whether they think you know Drogovic in the background is still is still fine I haven't heard too much from him that's that's, that's my thing yeah nothing is bad but you know it's not like we follow you know that that driver testing feedback too close it's only mm. really when these drivers get roped into a seat you start to hear you know rumors and people going oh we've heard that he's really good in the feedback you know in the yeah. simulator and stuff you know that was part of the credit for Ricardo you know was they said in the simulator hey this guy looks pretty stinking good you know so um, yeah true <laughs> um that's when that came up in that topic for the so yeah it's it's obviously not something they're going to pick by the end of the year but um uh, i i'd say it'll be hard for anyone to ignore even you know stroll and all his backers of course you know they're gonna, gonna yeah. look and go well this costs you clearly two places that's that's massive right and mm. they can't look past that um you want to hope not again i think something else we're gonna have to follow towards the end of the year right so, yeah. There's a reason we said that the second half of this year is going to have a lot of a lot of storylines still to play out, and that's one of them, you know. Definitely. Both how are Aston going to do, but how is Stroll going to do, you know? So. Yep, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm sure he knows this is time to perform. Yeah, I think he, he has to at this point. But, uh, um, the only other, I mean, before we get on to, to Alpine, the only other team I guess I really had notes on is, um, which I've, I've kind of already talked about most of this stuff, but Mercedes, um, they obviously want to keep, fighting for those podiums they they're pretty realistic saying there's they don't really think there's there's a chance for a race win there but they they think they can still consistently fight for podiums um Mm -hmm. and as i said a couple of days ago toto's basically said they've completely switched focus to that 2024 car so um i think yeah i think their car is is good enough to, to to secure that that p2 but i do think they still need to be a little bit worried about if if like say if aston come back if mclaren come through there is a very good chance that they could drop back a couple of places if they're not careful um and the other point you alluded to earlier is the fact that they because they're switching so early uh, or the reason they're switching so early is because they want to make these these fundamental design changes um to the car so they kind of have to start early to to avoid what happened, um, you know, the last time they they uh, they had to make a fundamental design change and how exactly. that how that all ended up. Um, if, if anyone who's been watching for the last two years knows, you'll uh, you'll know that they were very stubborn in in changing their car design, um, and it took the the drivers basically saying, "Hey, change the car," and then they did, and then they were competitive again. So I think it's it's probably mm-hmm. wise of them to start a bit early, but. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't know if you if you see anything else from from Mercedes. I don't I don't think they've got. You know, it's not like McLaren where I I see them really fighting for that win. I think they'll just have a, you know a car that'll probably come home sort of P two P three in the championship and then try. Oh, and put exactly. I think if year. on a day where I, I 
think if on a day where Red Bull falters, it, you know, Mercedes is definitely one of the top contenders to put your money on to try and sure. grab it, right? That's what they were known for, you know, last year and still this year, just trying to pick up, you know, the safe positions. Yep. But, um, yeah, it, it's clear why they're saying, you know, we're going to switch next year. I guess the only other point, which I suppose does more touch on future things, mm-hmm. is, you know, Hamilton and his future. I know every year we get to this point yep. where people start talking about it, talk about other teams, but... Um, he still sounds like he's very committed to this project. If he wasn't, he's a guy that's he's pretty open to he's speak his mind, vocal, right? It's yeah. like Alonso. If Alonso's not happy, he starts speaking his mind immediately, you know, yeah. three years before he leaves the team. Yep. Hamilton's very similar here. He's he still sounds committed, as committed as George is gonna be, so they're they're still gonna give it their all as drivers. And um, of course, you know, if they if they're gonna put all their marbles in for next year, both drivers are gonna <laughs> see that out as well. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, I guess the brings up a good point the the hamilton v russell chat as well how how you've seen that because you know they were um they were always quite quite close particularly when they were in that sort of rebuild process they you know there was there was talk that hey russell's actually faster than hamilton and you know we obviously had talked about how everyone was like hyping up you know russell as being faster than hamilton and uh you know it's signs for peril over again (laughs) yes yeah exactly and then it's like you know, once they start getting, we made the point is like once they start getting competitive, we think that Hamilton has that extra edge. It's kind of the point. It's it's kind of at that point. I feel like, you know, it we're seeing now that they have a car that is. It's not, you know, it's not fighting for wins or anything, but it is a hell of a lot more competitive than they were. And you are seeing right. that Hamilton does have that edge over Russell, at least on a consistent yes. basis. You know, Russell has his moments um, where he he can he can put it ahead of uh, of Hamilton and get those better results. But on in on the whole, you know, Hamilton is the faster driver. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, it's it's obviously not cause for concern at all. For it's for no detriment to Russell, but... as we say, he's still fine. Yes. He's still. You know, we forget how experienced Hamilton is, and Hamilton yeah. had you know many years of being very quick, but also a lot of learning and growing to do. Um, so Russell's still, you know, been amazing, and you wouldn't say this is any concern for him. But you're right at a time where you know that split second, you know, move, extra tenth in qualifying, mm. extra trick in the pit lane that Hamilton might be able to pull out. Those scenarios are going to come up more, and that's where we might see him, you know, shine a little more, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but that's that's no detriment to, to, to Russell, as I say, at all. They're, they're, they're similar to McLaren. They've got two bloody good drivers that um, will take every chance they get. And that's also why I think that fight, you know, between those two teams is going to be amazing. Yeah. Because they've both got two, you know, very yeah. different but very strong cars with two very different, but, you know, very, very strong, strong drivers. drivers. So, yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, so... Um, I yeah, like I said, I don't think it's it's cause for concern at a Mercedes at all. No. I think Russell is, you know, he's come out and uh, there, there was a lot of conversation about uh, with with Russell sort of dropping back. You know, how he's performing against Hamilton, given how he had performed in the past against him, and he's basically saying they're probably the teammates who are you know the closest to each other on pace. And at the time, I actually like went and sort of researched that very very briefly i'm just like yes. i'll just have a quick look and just see how true that is and it's like outside of like botasjo i'm like yeah he's probably right they probably are the closest in terms of performance uh yeah. in terms of teammates so it's like yeah i don't know pe- the, the media and, and just like people in general just like to kick up i don't they just it's like drama well, i don't of really course. and it's just, mercedes and it's you know yeah kind of so of course they're gonna do it yeah but yeah it's it's this no, no cause for concern there. And um, as I say, I think it's just going to 
fuel them both to do do as best as they can to round out this year and in preparation for next year right mm, so. definitely definitely um well let's move on to to alpine because this is the fun one uh well like fun depending on who you are i guess it could be very devastating if you're an alpine fan i suppose uh what's what's happening at alpine carl what's uh what's happening because I, I don't know anymore um they are trying to restructure again it seems mm, like... that's 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 funny i feel like i've heard that story before i know yeah this is kind of all. This is kind of all started back when we had even Prosley a while ago, and you know yeah. he was supposed to come in to really oversee as an advisor, similar to Ladis did for Mercedes, right? Mm-hmm. To see you know a refresh, a restructure, mentor the drivers, the team, etc. Um, but he left you know a few years ago, basically citing he disagreed with the management structure and it didn't really work. You know mm-hmm. he didn't see it work as an operation, but he didn't see it work for himself. That's why he left, right? But it still could have worked. Um, they had a lot of change. They, of course, did the whole Alpine rebrand and moved a few people. They yep. brought in, you know, Otmar, which was a pretty big move. Um, they seemed to start all right, but it was overshadowed by the fact that Aston made back such, such a big jump, right? If Aston hadn't made that jump, I still think their performances, which we saw like in Melbourne before the incident, looked pretty yes. damn strong. Yep. Um, but of course, it was in context of saying, well, but Aston did it right why were they able to do it mm. where they're trying to follow the same plan as us and we couldn't do it right even having a bit of a head start of them in terms of planning funding capital etc um with two drivers you'd still say the drivers you know for the most part i'd say are still performing pretty well when everything gets together yeah i um, think they've got a pretty strong driver lineup like honestly yes strongest lineup they've had for a while in terms of mm. both drivers yep um at least in how they're performing um but yeah, then it kind of came out over, I think it was the Spa weekend, right? Where it was like midway through the weekend, they said, oh, by the way, like three top people are leaving. And those three top yep. people seem pretty pissed about it. Yep. Um, which never sounds good. And then there was like, <laughs> oh, and our head of like, you know, driver, oh, our, I don't remember who it was that stepped in because I don't remember now. But um, it was like some guy that already had three roles is going to cover the fourth role in the meantime. And oh. it's like, well, they've made the decision to change it around. And they didn't have a replacement in the meantime. So it's almost like obviously something's gone down for them to make a preliminary change where for the next few races, they're going to be hurting because they're like missing management people. And all those people that are leaving are kind of saying, this is a dog's breakfast. And this is off the back of Alonso leaving, saying this is a dog's breakfast. Of yes. Piastri obviously having no faith in them. Yes. And you see both of those drivers doing as well. You go, ooh, like the team does seem like it's it's still doing fine. Like they're still able to you know, actually punch in there and do a bit. But mm. when everyone else now seems to be finding their footing ahead of them, they're going to do nothing but fall backwards, you know, when, when the rest of the teams like Alfa Romeo, et cetera, maybe, you know, start to get something together. So yeah. it's going to be real because it happened all before the breaks so and now it's gone quiet. Yeah. We're all going to rock up at, um, at um, you know, at the Netherlands Grand Prix and say, who's running the team here? There's going to be <laughs> a lot of talk about it. Everyone's going to be saying, yeah. what's going on? Who have you got running today? Who's yeah. driving your car today? I don't you know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it changes feels like every race. Uh, yeah, like as as you mentioned, you know, we had Otmar and uh, Alan Permain. And Alan Permain, I think he was been there for 30 years. Uh, they both left the team, uh, quote-unquote, amicably. But as we know, it wasn't amicably. Uh, they Fired, yes. yes, well, yes. Multiple Fired, but possibly with some kind of payout. Uh, so that's what they mean by <laughs> yes. amicably. Um, and then we had uh, Pat Fry, who's another big name, uh, in in the paddock, oh, who yes. moved to Williams, um, he was convinced to go over to the Williams project. Um, 
and there's been there's been some rumors that Mattia Bonotto is going to take over at Alpine. I don't know how true all that is, but it is <laughs> something. Um, but yeah, it's I. I don't really know what to think of Alpine. I feel like, well, I, I do want to think about think about Alpine. I feel like they're like upper, upper, like high, high management. I'm not talking about like the people who run the F1 team. I'm talking mm. about the, the people a lot higher than that. I'm talking about like the CEO and shit. Like these, these people are so unrealistic with their expectations. And that's what all these, you know, what yeah. Otmar and, and, and all these... Um, you know, Cyril Abeeple, I think, has come out and made some comments as mm. well because he was obviously Renault before he got pushed out. Um, you know, they have all these expectations to to be uh, to be complete. You know, at least Aston were like realistic, like we were talking about them earlier. Now they were, you know, three years into their five year plan. You're like, well, they're not seeing many results. They're going to have to do something soon, and then they get to year four, and it's like, oh, there it is. They were realistic about yeah. you know where how long it was going to take for them to to make any sort of gains and it feels like alpine it's like if they're not there in like a year and a half it's like ah we've got to restructure again restructure again restructure again like something's wrong and it's like well no you've just not given them enough time you're not giving them the right environment it's 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 a multi-year thing Mm. we even talked about this when we talked about i think the new rule set we were talking about our driver prediction for this year or the year prior where we said they're picking drivers that they're hopefully going to hold for a few years, as well as changing some management around and some structure to get a solid baseline in the new rules, the new structure, the cost cap structure. Mm. So then you can set up, <coughs> excuse me, um, so you can set up a plan to then execute and perform well, you know, and improve every year. And we've seen that kind of come through with, you know, even Ugly McLaren now seem to be showing part of that. And of course, Aston is showing yes. that. Mercedes are struggling a bit, but it's not like they've been doing nothing. They've yeah. been making some pretty rapid changes. They're Definitely. still in a good position to make those changes. Ferrari seems to have that potential. You'd probably yeah, argue, beh- you know, behind Alpine, they've also got a bit to work and out. And I, well, well, I, I think their management is very similar to Alpine and that they're a bit yes. impatient. So I think there's some comparisons to be made there. But 100%. But um, at least they're still performing well enough. Mm. But yeah, Alpine is still bridging that middle gap, right? Yeah. Um, and this just seems like a decision that's going to reset all that when everyone else is now showing the fruits of their labor. Yeah. So you go, um, it's the worst. It's not like they're doing it and everyone else is doing it like they did two years ago. We went, right, they restructure now and if they're happy with it, good. Mm-hmm. Wait three years, see your results. But now two years in, they're going, nah, we've got to scrap it again mm-hmm. when everyone else is, is doing it right. And you go, that's not good. No. <laughs> Does that mean they're going to be last next year? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 pretty dire. We're starting the five year plan again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's dire. Like you know, when when the CEO basically comes out and says things like, um, you know, when they're when they're getting podiums, it's like okay, this is now the new benchmark, and it's like, well, this is now the new standard. Like now we have to be yeah. now we have to be getting podiums all the time, and you know they're making comments like we want to be. I don't know if you saw this one. This one made me laugh literally out loud. We want to be the Ferrari for France. And it's like, bro, what yeah. are you, what are you saying? Like, they've been trying to do that since Ligier, and it's never worked out. Let's yeah, be real. <laughs> exactly. It's like, come on, man. Like, just have some realistic expectations, and you might actually get somewhere. Like, it just feels like, it, it feels like it's history's just going to keep repeating itself every two to three years. Like, they're just going to keep doing the same thing until they eventually end up leaving, or you know, the team just folds. Like, I don't, or they're just going to be stuck as a, a midfield 
team for the, the rest of the France curse because as we said we had like I think it was Ligier or LaRousse mm. you know trying to do that and then when the Frost took over with the Frost team the idea was to get you know French engines in Peugeot French drivers and have it be the French national country and have France back it but then it went to toilet France backed out and now they're kind of redoing it again and it's just it's the same thing is happening you know <laughs> they do have something there that looks pretty solid and gets you know a fourth or fifth in the constructors and then it just completely falls apart yeah. as it tries to be more ambitious than that yeah it's, it's like the last 30 years it's the same cycle <laughs> repeating yeah for the french squad or whatever it is you yeah. know different people but still yeah yeah it's definitely maybe, yeah i don't know there's there's a lot to if they do have a very unique structure you know um other places like the race and that that are doing their reviews on alpine you know go into it in uh, very good detail more than we could but they do have a unique structure and Mm. Um, it just doesn't seem suited for for Monday F1 when yep. we say we see other teams like Stroll who has you know a defiant leader come in put some money down give it a few years mm-hmm. and look what happens here right yep. Um, yep. so what's gonna happen again see the second half of the year see who actually turns up but um you wouldn't yeah haven't got a lot of confidence on them unfortunately nah, unfortunately um, not I'd love to see them do well at least the drivers um, are doing okay that's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they're not double DNFing. I mean a lot of that's not their fault, but like yeah, yes. that'd be like they've been a little bit unlucky this season with their results, but um mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, that, that that team management structure, whatever it is, is just it's not really helping them at the moment. So but um yeah, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I I really do want to see them do well, particularly Gasly. Like I'm a real big fan of Gasly, so I don't want to see him, you know, after all the fucking years he spent at Alpha Tauri and, and Red Bull being basically shafted yes, there for exactly. ages. It's like he finally, his big move yeah, is, yeah. finally made it out and made it to Alpine, which is where everyone sort of expected him to go, being the French driver. And, you know, I, I yeah. just don't I really just want him to do well. I want him to be happy in a team that, uh, you know, actually wants the, the best for him and where he can succeed and thrive and, 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 and all that. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe, maybe this is the, the, the restructure that they need to finally do well, but somehow I'm 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 a little Man. doubtful. <laughs> um, I mean that that was it. I mean we could talk about the other teams. I don't know if you had anything specific on on like Ferrari or not much to go into that much. Yeah. I think there was one liner saying with with Logan Sargent. Um, yes, my only opinion on that is to say it feels like we're back to classic Williams, where they have one really strong driver and one driver that's struggling a bit. Mm. They'll give him a year, and if he falters a bit, then they'll get another rookie in or someone else in. I feel like that's the same here. Yeah. Give him the second half of the year. Don't kick him out like DeVries, but yeah. don't be surprised if he gets the boot if he's not performing. Yeah. I think that's all I was going to... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess to, as, I guess to as add As much on. as I do enjoy the, the Team America memes on Twitter every weekend, yeah. I do enjoy seeing the eagle flying over the DNF exploding. <laughs> I, I quite enjoy those videos. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only other point I'll make on that is I think... Um, uh, you know, James Val's running that team. I think he's basically like they, they seem pretty supportive of of giving Sergeant. Like unless he completely yeah. flop, flops this year, I think they're pretty supportive of giving him a second year as well. Like they they seem to be, at least in terms of his sure. pace, uh, his consistency obviously is not not there. But when he, you know, when he is driving well, his pace is apparently okay. So like they they're probably There's just been giving enough him a bit of time there so. to say there's something there. Yeah, yeah, and like he's. I, you know, he is obviously coming in as, I don't know, maybe he is that token American driver that they need, but he's not a bad driver. Like, he's done well in junior no. formulas and, and, and this as well. So, like, I think 
I think there is potential for him to do well. He's maybe being a bit overshadowed by the fact that Albon's just absolutely flying at the moment, like killing it. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, um, like I said, with James Vowles heading that team, I think Williams potentially could, I think they're probably the team I'd be like low key watching out for sort of longer term as well. Like over the next two, three, four years, I think Williams, they, they could potentially uh, sneakily make their way uh, back to sort of the front, uh, like the, the top five teams, I think, for sure. Top four teams even. Um, I could get more into that, but that's like I said, that's going to be over a, a long period of time. I think they finally actually got a good foundation to, to start making some gains. But uh, so, yeah, anyway, uh, if that's all you've got, we can we can start going on to the, mm-hmm. a lot of the silly season talks and a lot of the future news. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about what we what we think the lineup will look for 2024 that's obviously a lot of talk when you get to the mid-season and there's not a lot of news around and uh you know drivers contracts are starting to get signed it's all about the talk for what's the lineup going to look for 2024 um and for the most part i think most seats uh have been you know basically signed and filled uh there's a few out there that are still a bit of a question mark the one that you know all the news stories uh try and try and play up is the fact that Hamilton hasn't signed with Mercedes yet. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's going to stay with Mercedes. I'm not even going to talk more about that. Uh, if you think he's going to be nope. moving anywhere else, you're an idiot. Uh, he's signing with Mercedes for next year, so mm. shut up. Um, let's move on to the ones that actually matter, though. Um, the Haas, neither of the Haas drivers, I think, have signed a contract for next year, um, and this one I think is actually a little bit of an interesting one. You know, we had Hulkenberg come in this year um, and he's done exceptionally well. I'd be very surprised if Hulkenberg doesn't keep his seat for next season. Um, Magnussen, I feel like, you know, he, he was, he came in uh, and and completely blew Mick Schumacher out of the water. And that's obviously one of the reasons why Mick was, was booted in favor of Hulkenberg. And Hulkenberg, it feels like has just done... Not that Magnussen's done badly, but it feels like he's been completely overshadowed by Hulkenberg now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious whether or not you think Magnussen is under threat at all. I'm not saying that he will get the boot, but do you think there is there, there's sort of a bit of a question mark there, or um, what are your thoughts there on that? There is, of course, a little bit, but Gunter, who's never afraid to pull a punch, mm. has been pretty forward in any chatter interviews etc to say that he's happy with hulk's work but he's also very happy with with kevin's work now i don't know if that's because maybe it's a car or development or otherwise Mm. thing or bigger picture i don't know but um you feel like even with with mick or even with grosjean in the past or anyone like that even gutierrez when i you know think back to them at the start of haas um it didn't take long for gunter and management to you know midway through year when someone wasn't performing to you know pretty openly say they've got a few more races before <laughs> lockdown what the hell we're doing here right yeah. and he's been the complete opposite of that so yeah um you know whether these are still two drivers that they just want some stability and maybe from a development perspective they're still really happy with the both of them it could be that again almost not like the stroll thing but similar where performances don't matter that much right mm. um then you know it's not not a bad thing and as i say there could be other factors that they're keeping him on um or just to have some of that stability into next year um but irrespective of that 
if these performances keep going how they are and Hulk keeps outperforming him consistently, you know, as in the only one getting Q3, the only one getting a point or two, um, of course it's going to come up. Yeah. But um, pass through a team where you'd hear it from, what do you call it? You hear it from the horse's mouth before anyone else, right? True, um, yeah. If they had any thoughts on it. And until they do, um, you know, I, I, I don't have any concerns about it. Um, as an onlooker, do I think, oh, well, they should chuck him out because he's doing bad? I don't know. I think I think you know Magnuson's not like a rookie like 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 Mick or someone like that, right? He's been here a long time. He's had you know an early career, then a return. So I think they know what, Carson know what they're talking about if they're not concerned about his performance. And I and I trust that you know. Um, yep. So yeah. I'm still interested to see how it goes. But you're right. In a, in a I guess talking about the rest of the grid in a grid where there's a few things open, but really not you know much. we've talked about sarge and i guess and that's the only yeah. other real one because the other one devries has already, it's <laughs> already done ahead of time yes, yes so everywhere else you kind of go well that's the only real spot to talk about yeah. but um yeah i don't i don't you know sometimes we've talked about oh we don't see any change and then four seats change right but i just don't see any unless you know a driver suddenly out of nowhere completely drops the pin and then they have to get rid of them so outside of that exception mm. um it's hard to see anyone really for, for at least for the end of you know this year start of next year um at, at this stage from what we've shown from my experience do you have any what any other observations yeah or? so i do um i mean okay. I'll, I'll get yep. i'll get the, the the easy ones out of the way you know both alpha tower alpha tower drivers are expected to continue obviously ricardo's shown enough to to, to get mm-hmm. that um, you know, uh, spot for, for spot, 20. Yeah. Actually, we can, I'm going to, I'm going to come back around to that. Uh, but we'll, okay. um, you know, obviously we've got the, the Sergeant, um, potentially under threat at Williams. Uh, I don't, even if he does, like if he completely shits the bed and they need, they really need to get someone else for next year. I don't see that happening, but let's say it does. I, you know, you look at the Williams driver Academy, they do have a few drivers, uh, in fact, they've got they've got five drivers. One of them is Jamie Chadwick, who they they if they would have given him her a go in Williams F one, they would have done it already. So they would have done it already. Yeah, and then <laughs> the four drivers, the other four drivers are all in FIA Formula Three at the moment, and there are some really really quality F uh, F three drivers in there. Um, Colapinto is is one in particular that has been touted uh, as like a one of those sort of real junior star drivers uh zach o'sullivan i think is doing quite well as well in, in f3 but um they're all f3 you 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 don't really see someone jump from f3 straight to f1 unless they're an absolute gun and none of them are really showing that that's what they are at the moment so they don't have anyone from their academy to to throw in there so even if they do just keep sergeant like even if he has sort of maybe underperformed quote-unquote compared to to what they expected i don't really see any reason for them to sort of push him out for next year like even keeping him for next year develop the car and if he performs then awesome and if he doesn't then it's like okay maybe you've got a couple of you know your f3 drivers that have then moved up to f2 yeah exactly so like it just seems like sergeant everything points to sergeant get it keeping that seat for, for 2024 i just i don't really see what other option they have unless they want to throw some someone else outside their program in there which uh, i mean they could uh williams that they, they don't have to go with someone from their academy but then they've got someone they've they've pulled from the red bull academy That's and where then, came from <laughs> yeah it's like i don't who knows but um 
yeah, so I, I expect Sargent to continue for next year. Um, we've talked a little bit, obviously, about Stroll, whether or not he will potentially go in or out. But I think if they're going to put someone in, Drogovic is probably up there as, as their best bet. Like you say, someone someone more junior um, to go in there. They're not going <laughs> to pick anyone, I think, directly from the grid unless they are a young gun. Um, the only other team I thought was possibly a bit interesting, we've got Alfa Romeo. Um, who, which is becoming Sauber. Kind of been in a bit of a shadow, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, they're they're but still working towards this Audi plan in when is it? Twenty twenty six. Yeah, so it's becoming yeah, so not too far away. Yeah, so it's it's becoming Alfa Romeo have uh, they're dropping the the Alfa Romeo name becoming Sauber oh, yes. for next year and twenty twenty five, and then they're going to Audi twenty twenty six. There's rumours that apparently Alfa Romeo are becoming the title sponsor of Haas. I don't know how true that is. I did see that. <laughs> don't really, don't really know what that's about. But anyway, um, Alfa Romeo at the moment, or Sauber, I guess, is it's real interesting in the sense that, and this is a story we've talked about last year as well, or even the last couple of years. Um, yes. With Teo Porsche, and. The problem with Porsche is that the moment he's leading the F2 championship, he's the, the Sauber uh, Academy driver. In fact, I think he's the sole Sauber Academy driver. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he's been touted to get the F1 seat. In fact, as of, I think, this year, a lot of people put him in that seat over Joe. Um, at the moment, I don't see, I don't really know what to think of Alfa Romeo because it feels like Bottas and Joe, they... Every weekend, they feel like they sort of flip flop who's who's faster, who's more, who who's the better driver on that weekend. But the the Alpha at the moment is it's just not a quick car, so it's kind of hard to to know whether it is entirely yeah um you know driver performance or if it is just them just trying different things with the car, just trying to get the most performance out of it, and maybe one driver goes the wrong way, and that's like I don't I don't really know with that team at the moment. It's just kind of a bit confusing. But I feel like they could be thrown a bit of a curveball with Porsche coming in. If he does win the F2 championship, what do they do? Do they do they, they push one of them out to, to, to get Porsche in? Like, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but... Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> good question. Yeah. It feels like both drivers are still fine to be placeholders. Yeah. But you still don't see either of them... To be fair, Zhao does seem to be on a bit of an upward trajectory. Yeah. And I think if that continues towards the end of the year, it raises his credibility to be someone that I guess... Um, who's their new team leader? I can see his face. I don't know his name. Uh, oh, uh, Andreas Seidel? Andreas Seidel. I can see Seidel, obviously. He's going to have to make you know a big part of that decision. Mm. So if Zhao can continue to impress him, I can see where he could continue to stick around. It's really hard for Bottas. I wouldn't say he's really dropped in performance, but certainly Zhao has been getting better to the point where he was behind Bottas, and now he's got an equal or a little higher, Yeah. where Bottas has remained a little stagnant. Um, which, as I say, I don't think either of them is bad. And if this team continues as is forever, then you know they could almost just sit on them until they have some opportunity to come through, either because Teo smashes it out, you know, and then they say, right, we've got to move one of you over, probably Bottas, you know. Um, yeah. If Jao continues to improve, but there's this whole thing of saying, but this is for for Audi, right? And mm. when we talk about Audi, they're talking about wanting people like Norris, like Signs, you know, yeah. like like big established guns, you know. 
So then you say, well, but if they can't get that, do they need someone that they can then have here for at least two years to really cook and drive into a massive talent and is Teo mm, that driver yeah so, that's a good point actually because of course Teo even when he was you know coming into F2 out of F3 everyone was saying this guy you know is going to be here in F2 for a year and he's going to move up for sure mm. um, and you wouldn't even say I guess last year when that happened that that, that team and their driver necessarily excelled it's just that Teo I guess underperformed and you know the drivers in the team were doing good enough and he Taylor wasn't doing good enough to, to justify the yeah, switch. Yeah, there was right? there was a lot of like it's, driver it, errors as well, uh with, with yeah. Taylor. So. so you see the same thing for, for this year, right? Mm. If he could crush it out for the rest of the year, then you can see an argument where they may need to drop one of them, especially because they want to see if he's fit for representing a brand like Audi, which mm. they're seeing as a massive, you know, thing they need at least, you know, a young gun rookie that's amazing plus an a, a seasoned veteran, yeah, yeah. right? That's what that's why they're talking about people like Norris or someone to his level, yeah. you know, that they know is, will be consistent and can, you know, do amazing things for them. Sure. Um, so I, again, it's, it's a cop out. <laughs> it's something that needs the, the year to play out. Yeah. If both their drivers improve and Teo does well, but doesn't smash it, then they may delay it for another year. Right. And say, we're going to spend another year to figure it all out. And then we'll have our rollout plan for testing for Audi and then for Audi, you know, mm. Um, but if both drivers absolutely drop a stinker or even one of them does, then sure, they could say, right, Teo, get in there or, or someone else, who knows, right? They could pick up another rookie. There's no reason why they can't, you know? Yeah. Maybe Ferrari will want someone and say, hey, you're still affiliated with us. Can we pay you to put a Ferrari driver in our seat? That could still happen, yeah. right? Um, so I didn't think about them, but um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. What do you think? I think I've talked a lot about them. What do you think? I genuinely <laughs> don't know. I'm, I'm very much like... <laughs> see yeah. how the rest of the year plays out for sure like it's yes it's um, another one the the the, 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 un, the only scenario that i don't know what happens is both joe and bottas improve like a lot like they've, they've improved incredibly for the second half of the year nibbling more points and, and porsche wins them. the f2 championship <laughs> yes then what do they do uh you've got another um piastri yes that's what i'm thinking is like he just goes in but yeah full-time test and reserve driver just give him as much time as possible like really really pushing that um that sour forward almost similar to a Dragovic position yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah i mean that's yeah (laughs) it's 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 real hard like you say it it does ladies and gentlemen it will come up (laughs) yes it's definitely i think it requires the 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 second half of the season to play out before i can sort of make any sort of judgment it's it's so hard to tell at the moment um and teams aren't forced to sign everything by the middle of the year as well there's a reason that for cases like these like Haas has traditionally waited until the end of the year to sort it out so they've got all their cards in front of them yep yeah so um there's no reason they can't do it but yeah, it will be interesting to view as a, as a bystander what goes on. Mm, yep, for sure, for sure. All right, well, that was that was it for the 2024 lineup stuff. So let's get into more general newsy things. The The most recent one that I've got, um, the FIA is rumoured to be contemplating banning DRS in qualifying. Uh, and this seems like a, a target on Red Bull, doesn't it? Just a little bit, maybe. What are your thoughts? Yes, it, it does. In saying that, you know, I, I think we both quite enjoy Red Bull more than other dominating teams in the past, I guess just because of the generation we grew up in and watching in, right? We grew up with them as the underdogs, so therefore, yeah. you know, we don't see them as the dominance of the Ferrari or the Mercedes, you know, from the past where it was like, do anything you can to get them out of that top spot, yeah. right? Um, 
it's there's there's two sides to the coin i guess like the, the fia if they see a chance to make a change which may not necessarily have good grounds but they could just do and they can make up some excuse to do yeah they've done that a lot in the past right like they've found some secret like to do with a certain way that um like the f duck was implemented or something with the suspension of the tires when ferrari was dominant they were very quick to you know make some sort of cover-up story that they knew would affect the top team the most yeah this feels exactly in that bucket mm -hmm. there's a side to say that it's true why do we bother having drs and qualifying because yeah. yep. it doesn't do anything that was my other that's thought. fair but then you're also saying well why turn it off if it's not a safety risk if there's no yeah. reason to not turn it off you're changing the rules mid-season and drs isn't a bespoke part right if it was a bespoke part then every team's kind of affected you know yeah it, um but this isn't a just bespoke part to your point as you said Red Bull and that and they've even said they don't understand how their rivals don't have as good a DRS because <laughs> yeah. they seem to think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But yes, this this does seem to come out not triggered by anyone else. It's not like a team has gone, oh, there's this justification to not have it, and everyone's gone, hmm. At least there's a safety concern there or some other concern, a cost concern, an environment concern, any of those you could argue, right? Mm. Um, but it does fall under that almost nice blank of FIA where they could go, ooh. We could hand shift some reason <laughs> for it, you know, to say, oh, yeah. we don't need it. It overcomplicates things, blah, blah, blah. But it's a winner that it does turn down that Red Bull, you know, um, something that they're quite good at, you know, just just a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, an interesting one. We haven't had an F, you know, an FIA case like this, you know, in a while where something's conveniently worked out like this. Yeah. So it's almost, it's, it's a bit cheeky. I'm, I'm curious to see how the conversation plays out yeah i haven't heard like that was uh you know a week or two ago now i sort of heard mm. about that i haven't heard anything since then um i think maybe once the season starts back up there there might be it'll it, it's, it's one of those that'll either just completely dissipate into nothing because it was just a straight up rumor that you know maybe it was mentioned once and an off comment someone made right? yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> or if we do hear about it i think in the next couple of races it, it will probably come back up particularly if red bull do keep that uh that that drs advantage as they have been i think it will come up again but um yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see uh it's, i haven't heard anything since then so it's kind of leading usually with those sort of rumors it feels like they just sort of peter out like it's sort of starting to do so um but, but it also doesn't feel like airless crap. Yeah, I'm like, there's true. some validity here. I can see how this might come up. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm very interested. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I guess the uh, the next one I had here is the... This, this is sort of an ongoing conversation, but it's the, the Pirelli uh, tyres, the non-blanket tyres. They're still being criticised by like all the teams and drivers. Um, it's there was, taken a bit of a U-turn, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so they've... Uh, now, next year, they were planning on completely removing the, the tyre blankets. Um, they were sort of pushing towards that. They reduced tyre blanket temperatures for this year. Drivers are still already not happy with that. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, they basically just flip-flopped and said, actually, no, next year, we're not going to ban them. You can keep them. And I don't think they're making any changes, as far as I can tell, at least not yet. Maybe they're still in conversations to 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 think about some you know, have some talks about what they're going to try and do with that. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. The only other points I had, which again, this kind of older news, but, um, you know, talking to other tire manufacturers that have been part of F1, uh, in the past, Michelin have basically said they're not interested in, in coming back to F1. Uh, they just hate how F1 relies on the tire degradation to improve the show. So, um, 
which I think is a valid criticism. I think um, you know they they <laughs> it's true that Pirelli. Uh, it's in saying that, like that's something I've been a proponent of. It's like the, t- the tire degradation does make it a little bit more interesting. Pirelli have been pretty good at that. It it does does make um you know pit stop strategies more interesting. But in saying that if you can just get closer racing in general, then you don't need the whole pit strategy thing. And I think F1 sort of slowly trying to work towards that, you know, with obviously the new fundamental design changes. And the, this is, again, this is a whole podcast length conversation that you could have because it ties into so many other things, but the, the bottom line is Michelin aren't, uh, aren't interested uh, in, in coming back. The interesting one though, is apparently, um, I think I don't know if this was a rumor, if it was actually confirmed, but Bridgestone, I think, well, I were can... applying for a 2025 contract uh, for F1 yes. as well. So I do know a fair amount about this. Oh, you do. So I can cover it if you want. Yeah, I guess on both over. of these topics. Um, so I guess we we'll finish off this one. So we talk about the tire tender. So every I think it might be every year or every two years or semi regularly, right? Mm-hmm. There's a contract that goes around where, yes, Pirelli has been the sole supplier for yes. a number of years now, as well as for a number of, of the top-tier sports, right? Um, but they still put out a tender to say, if anyone else wants to supply, hey, you know, we're, we're interested. Let us know. You know, we can we can, we can can have a look at it. Um, and years and years go by, no one is interested. Hmm. But essentially, it has come up where Bridgestone has put in um, at least an expression of interest yep. or to say, hey, give us some more information. We're seriously considering this. Mm. Um I guess there's one big factor that comes out of this, which is to say, you know, everyone's saying tire war question mark is the big one. Um, (laughs) I will preface this right now to say that the race has done an insanely good podcast on this topic. Right. When this came up, they go through it. They go through the history of tires, how Bridgestone came and went, how Pirelli came in. It is amazing. It may sound like it's boring because it's on (laughs) tires and tire construction, I remember the drive I did when I was listening to it. It was that good. I was enthralled wow. by it. They do an amazing chat on this. So if you want more information, listen to that that podcast. If we can, we'll have to link yeah, it. It's a sure. very good discussion. But essentially, it's very interesting because, you know, we used to have tire war, Bridgestone, Michelin, big part of the Ferrari, you know, Ferrari being a, one of the two was one of the almost the sole suppliers, mm. right? And you have almost like an engine where you have like a factory tire team and then you have sub supplies that just have to go along with it. Yep. I guess the difference with having a sole supplier now and the difference with Pirelli is Pirelli don't make their own rules. They don't just say, oh, we just try to make a good tire to sell our brand. Mm. Um, they get a very specific direction that constantly evolves from the FIA to say, this is how we want the races to play out yeah. because of effects from the tire. Your tire needs to do that. And Pirelli has gotten a lot of slack, which you think is interesting because Pirelli are here to sell their tires and most of the talk is about how the tires are, are crap, yeah, are shit or whatever, right? Yeah. You think that's not going to make you sell tires. But Pirelli still say no, the fact that they're out there, people have enough awareness to know that, you know, they're not making the best tire, they're making a tire to the sport, etc. Um, You know, uh, yeah, that, that, that's why they're in here and that's why they still get sales. Um which is why the other teams often have said they haven't been interested. The other teams, by that, I mean the other tyre suppliers, yeah. where they've said, we don't want that criticism, we don't want that stress, we don't have to make tyres to a specific uh, T, right? But Bridgestone do seem to have come up, and they do see some value with how big F1 is growing to almost try to get their name in there, because they see that Pirelli being in you know, this, and as well as with WEC, which I'll get into with the 
blanket tires because mm. that does wrap into WC as well in the future. Um, they've seen that actually that does generate a lot of market value, even if it seems like they're doing a bad job. Um, but all that means for a tire war is you can't really have a modern day tire war in F1 yeah. because the prior tire war, there was a lot less rules and a lot more flexibility where you could really try to actually produce a tire that would last, that would be durable, right? Yeah. You had some basic rules like whether it was ridged or what sort of compounds or material had to be made of but it was so open book yeah so reality is we're very unlikely to have two suppliers unless they entirely change the concept of tires we've run with the pirelli so it's almost a case of saying are pirelli going to be potentially replaced by bridgestone um and this is a very you know real case that that they have put forward as i say enough where an amazing podcast was made on that which again can't recommend it enough people (laughs) um so, so that is very, it's, it's entirely valid. And I expect to hear a lot more about it mm. as much as we have, you know, the Andretti talk. This is as big as that, yep. right? Where this is, this is supposed to be pretty, a pretty sizable thing. It's still early days, but it is a hundred percent real. Yep. And the biggest interest from another tire supplier since Pirelli started, you know, in recent living memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one side of the coin, I guess. Um, did you have anything to add on that? Or no, no, keep going. Yeah. Um, so on the Pirelli side, They've been trying, we've heard for years now, just saying, okay, we're slowly going to pull back the tire the tire blankets. You know, it's partly about energy saving yep. because it uses a lot of heat and energy to go through those tires. Um, and it's also partly about, you know, they say giving the driver more skill, right? If you give a driver a perfect car, that you know, they've got a pretty easy job. It's this perception, you know, you go out on cold tires mm. on, you know, a tough track. It's the driver's skill, you know, on a quality lap to have half a lap to warm one up to get it right. Yeah. Um, I guess... Another two factors here um, is that one, I feel like we're at a pretty good gap right now mm. where the teams and drivers have to work pretty hard to get their tires up into temperature. Yeah. Where you see some teams do two, three, four out laps. Some teams do half an out lap. Some cars really getting stuffed if they're in that queue while others can go through it. I feel like from a, from a competitive standpoint and a driver's still skill standpoint, we're at a pretty good point right now where we don't need to pull that lever further. Sure. Um, and the second point is WEC, who actually recently banned tire blankets during part of this year, have actually reverted that because it caused so much chaos and right. just like disparity and issues that they actually said, we've moved on to this too fast, even though WEC have been planning to do this even longer than F1. And they also use Pirellis. It's different cars, but still, you know, I think they actually had this over the spa weekends when they first tried to use them without... And there was a lot of issues even mm. after a lot of planning. So I think after both of these factors, that's why they're almost saying, mm, as much as we wanted to try it, where the advantages we wanted to get from this, yes, there is the energy concern, which they could, you know, just use renewable sources to do it. Yep. I think we saw it, um, was it was Austria, Austria somewhere yep. where a lot of the, yep. yeah, the energy production, they changed renewable sources. And this is the type of energy which you could do through different sources right sure. so that it's not like it's something you know burning coal to produce tires it's <laughs> nothing like that right it's yeah. something that you could do more sustainably um so the fact that the gain is not that much in terms of saving that that energy power output and if the goal is to make it closer and have more skill for the drivers and teams they kind of they've already, already kind of reached that yeah. so it almost comes to where they say you know let's actually re- let's sit where we are right now a nice medium mm. and haha medium get it now i get um, it <laughs> and then what, we not can ultra soft look, or you know, hyper soft yeah exactly hyper soft Ooh. exactly um and then look at actually baseline here and just say what is the target is this a good target yeah 
and probably even for Bridgestone coming in, maybe you know yeah. that, that could change things as well. Yeah. So, yeah, there's um there's a few there's a few things there as I say. Mm. I, I found that topic quite interesting, even though it's just boring old rubber tires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tire chat. That's what they always talk about. Our, was it Karoon? Or oh, they always yes. talk about how Karoon's like super excited for tire chat. Yes. He's groans every time. <laughs> <laughs> I finally get it. Yeah. I finally understand. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess we'll stay on tire chat because the next point is technically about tires as well. It's about the wet weather tires, though. Uh, and there's a couple yes. of things, a couple of interesting things to talk about here. Um, a little bit, sorry, a few few weeks ago, or, yeah, quite a few weeks ago. Now that they, they tested those uh, those spray flap thingies at the end of Silverstone. Yeah, so they they tested those and apparently they were shit and didn't really work. Um, there's apparently like. It was like a very early prototype, though, so they're still going to keep trying to, to see if something like that could. They said that it work. didn't really work, but they got a lot of useful data. Mm, yeah. So it wasn't like it was a write off. Yeah. It's that their perception, I guess, of how this would work and how they could cover it didn't work. Yeah. Um, I think they said that a lot of spray more than they expected is generated by the floor, which yeah. of course they didn't do it. Yes, the diffuser, the floor, which they didn't do anything for. Yeah. They can't really um, do anything without affecting the, the the turbulent, like the yes. the, the, the airflow. So there's a reason thing, they yeah, have so. a correct. Yeah. There's a reason that they have a committee on this, which you yeah. know they're not saying, oh, they just tried something off the back of a bunch of random suggestions. You know, there was a team that put this together mm. that had a proper first test. And that team said, although it didn't work as expected, we got a massive amount of great data. We're going to start working on potential version yeah, two. Too. So, yep. um, so so that was kind of on, on the spray flap. Um, I know you made a note as well about wet weather tires, and we had a perfect showing of that mm-hmm. in um, it was in Spa again, yep. right? Um, where in the sprint race, especially, um, and in other sessions, you had where it was pouring down, and people went, "Oh, it's too unsafe to go out there." And then, as soon as the conditions got reasonable, it was intermediate, yep. which of course everyone's going to look at that and say, mm, "Fair enough, the intermediate is good, but why bother having a wet if you can't run on it?" Yeah, um, it's amplifies almost and goes pair and pair with this test to say that the wet weather drive the wet weather tires do allow you especially now to drive in some absolutely disgraceful conditions if you are by yourself yes but the problem is the tires is so effective that all that water that the tires are digging into creates such a mess that it's not safe if multiple people are out there right so as much as people blend the wets and say oh well the wets are useless there's a reason they have this committee now because I think they're realizing mm. we c- we can actually drive in absolute horrid crap conditions. We could drive in snow. <laughs> it's just that no one can see a damn thing yeah. because that water. The point of it is those tires dig in you and then that water, all that gets water the, yeah. it has to go somewhere. Yes, they they talk about displacing you know liters and thousands of liters worth of water. Right? Yeah. It's massive amounts of water, which is incredible that 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 can be done. Mm. You know. Um, but it's just, where does that, that water go? It has to go somewhere. Yeah. It can't just vanish. The tires are just eat into it and then it goes nowhere. And that's, that's the crux of the discussion. And that's, that's why it links these two. You know, the wet weather tires are useless, but nothing really has to do with the tire. It's yeah. just the car. It, 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 that's why they're, yeah, they're looking at um, how the car could be changed to better deal with that, yeah. which is almost nice to see they're taking it in a different direction you know, rather than just trying to modify the wet weather tire for the 20th time when they realize it's just going to cause the same issue you know? well you say that then th- that was the other thing it's like they either modify the car with something like these spray flaps to try mm. and reduce the spray that the more recent discussion that's come up is the fact that what they call what they're coining this super intermediate tire which is basically to replace the <laughs> yes. wet and the intermediate so like 
kind of how F two F two only have the one wet weather tire, in in terms of. There's a lot of slower open. Yeah, yeah. So and apparently, like the the tread pattern is like actually it's actually different than the wet weather tire. Like it 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 gives you. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. There there was a. It was actually I think the race as well, but it was just like one of their short video, Mm -hmm. like YouTube videos, like a seven or eight minute video where they were talking about how. Um, yeah, the, it's, it's something that is already done in things like F2 and F3. Uh, the tread pattern is slightly different, but it allows you to, to drive in these wet conditions without aquaplaning, but it also displaces, um, it, yeah, displaces some of the water, but it doesn't produce so much spray that it's impossible to see. So it's kind of... Yep. The, the problem with Formula One, I think they have, is the fact that there's so much downforce and like the way the aero works. It's the nature of the cars, right? Yes, they are like the most yeah. downforce mm. generating vehicles on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you got a, you got a less downforce dependent car. You know, it's why sometimes like even endurance races can run in appalling conditions. You know, it's just because the cars are less downforce dependent, more grip dependent, yeah. and they just run slower on the tires. They don't have that spray issue. Mm. Or they can have massive lights, but you're right in that. F1 is, you know, even when they're going slow, the spray can just be massive because of the tyres, because of, especially this year when we're on ground effect cars, yep. that, that produces even more spray than we've ever seen. Um, so to your point, there'd still be ways they could explore that. Yes. They could, you know, further reduce, I guess, what do they call it? The, the mechanical grip, which is more the tyre grip, right? Yep. They could, you know, space it out and have less physical tread on the track, which may even further help with aquaplaning. Um, and mean they have to run slower but look it's in the rain i don't think we mind if they're running slow as long as they can run you know what i mean yeah. a slow a slow car in the rain still looks epic exactly you know? yeah. it doesn't matter if it's yeah it's, it's it's less it's um, less about like going you know all out it's more about the car control thing anyway it's like if you can keep exactly. it on the track you see two cars going keep yeah, it smooth like when we think yeah. about max in 2016 in brazil you know they weren't going that fast but still some of those moves you think is some of the best ever yeah. you know and they were pretty slow moves around the outside <laughs> of a few corners yeah yeah exactly but um yeah so certainly i think i think you still could make some changes to the tire but also it's clear they're saying fundamental areas of the car may also need to change or at least they need to prove to say you know to reduce the spray here's you know a change for the diffuser would have to make or something like that right but um i think tie it's almost you know tires and everything in general they seem to be almost taking a little pause on you know rather than just constantly criticizing or reevaluating to actually go hey let's let's see what we've done here let's you know look at different suppliers, look at different ways to build the tires rather than just make snap decisions, look at different ways we can build the cars to support the tires. Yep. Um, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of little chatter that's kicking up in that area. Yeah, and I think it's 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 going back to the, the previous point we were talking about, I think it's important that they're exploring all these options um, yeah. like as soon as possible as well with Bridgestone applying for the, the 2025 contract as well. This shows that Pirelli are like super committed to being like, we need to try something to, to improve true. this yes. like yeah so if bridgestone come in and say hey yeah we think we've got an idea of how to fix this and then pirelli is still sitting there going oh we don't know what to do uh then it's like <laughs> they might i know what you mean yeah like it might give bridgestone a bit more weight to be like hey that's we're gonna give it we're gonna give them a go and see how it goes so um mm. i think it shows that pirelli are still very committed to to uh to formula one um and, and wanting to improve that this so. bridgestone thing this Bridgestone thing hasn't come up because Pirelli are thinking about pulling out and if we mm. need a backup. Pirelli yeah. is still 100% focused. Everyone's just surprised this Bridgestone thing has come up. Yeah. Um, but it, you can see how it could just be in in favor, right, yeah. of, of the sport, you know. Um, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yep, yep. 
competition is always good. Um, all right, let's move on because a couple of, uh, I guess, 2024 stories that I've got here. Um, actually, no, I've already mentioned that one. That was, yeah, Alpha, Alpha Romeo to become Sauber for 2024. Uh, the Alpha rumored to be title sponsor of Haas. I don't know. Who's, do you think that'll be a thing or do you think that's one of those, like, uh, silly season rumors? I think Alpha, Alpha have enjoyed being on the grid and I wouldn't mind seeing them somewhere else. Yeah, so they, I, I think... could see it, but I don't think it's anything more than them just saying, you know, we could go somewhere like this, but we'll let you know. I yeah. think that's, that's where it's at, right? You've yeah. had to think of an example. Haas is probably the next best bet, logically. True. So that's probably why they've been broken into the conversation. True, true. Um, and I think the, the, the next big one was with Alpha Tauri to be renamed from, from next year as well. Uh, yes. And they're... But renamed to what <laughs> yeah some of the names like i have seen a number of names ranging I around don't. it seems like they haven't made up the name of their title sponsor and depending on that they may just throw them in as the new team name yes yeah i really hope it doesn't become the what was the hugo boss racing f1 hugo racing or boss some shit. Racing. i'm like nah stop well this also links in because isn't it that franz toss after his long tenure after this year will actually be stepping down he is loren mackie's has come yeah, coming in for next Laurent year mackie's from yeah. ferrari yes is coming in yes correct. so quite a bit of change happening to to that team um still of course a a sub junior of red bull they have in the past now and then try to almost sell it off to you know someone that wants to run it separate mm. this doesn't seem like it's it's a sale of that kind although if someone came with a big offer hey who knows right now this um, seems like the opposite like they i feel like oh okay well i feel like because alpha tauri um sort of went yeah maybe i'm wrong but like alpha tauri they sort of i see what you're saying when yes. they became alpha tauri they sort of not split off like there was still that Red Bull Junior team, but they were sort of they, they were just running copying their own the thing. prior Red Bull car. Yeah, right? exactly. Where that was quite common. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, yes, I, yes, I agree with you. I agree with your point. I thought you were going elsewhere, but no. No, I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> but obviously, they're they're being told to f- from next year they're going to be following Red Bull as far as the regulations allowed in terms of parts that they can be supplied. They're just going to be given like Red Bull parts. Um, to, to a point where they're allowed like with the parts obviously there's, there's certain parts that teams have to make themselves um but if red bull are allowed to give them basically like for like parts they're just going to do that yes. so they're basically bringing him way back in closer after a couple of years where alpha Tauri have sort of not really they've not really lit the world alight they haven't really sort of thrived as a team by themselves a little bit so i think red bull are like hey we yes. want to bring him back in if we're going to be using this team to to bring juniors in to train them up, they need to be, you know, we, we want to try and give them a good opportunity and put them in a, in a car that's as close to our car as possible. So that way, if we do yes. want to move them in, Hey, you've already got sort of a, a semi baseline um, to work from. So I think, yeah, I, I, I believe that this is more, you know, them trying to bring the, the Toro Rosso, Alpha Tari, fucking Hugo Boss Racing, whatever it's going to be called, back into the Red Bull family uh, to, to hold on to a little bit uh, a little bit longer. I don't think it's a selling off at all. I think they're trying to bring it a bit closer to them. So. I, I agree. And I think we haven't... I don't know the details of it, but a big part of moving into this cost cap era was to have more... What do they call them? Um, they, have the, they have the shared or standard parts. Yes. They also have like open parts or designs yeah, where yeah. certain general designs after a few years can be almost like publicly shared rather mm. than always being like very hidden so you know i guess it makes sense or if they're wanting to double down to being a red red will be as much as they can um 
then take advantage of maybe some of those you know times on you know uh designs and licenses and such that are now um yep. uh, changing with this new era and um actually go back to, to operating in that in that close um that yeah that close uh, partnership as much as they can as the rules will allow um, for sure so so it makes sense but it's, it is also interesting to see a bit of a um, like the, like the name change sure like it's still red bull the in philosophy so whatever name yeah. it has doesn't really doesn't matter, <laughs> yeah, matter you know same with that some extra coin out of it brilliant you know <laughs> same as when it was called alpha tower as well it's like it's doesn't exactly. doesn't sound like red bull at all like obviously got towery exactly. but like people still know it as the red bull b team so it's like it really just doesn't exactly, matter. exactly. unless unless red bull do sell it as you say it just will always be the red yes. bull b team that's just how it is yep. so but uh but um yeah the management change is interesting too yeah. I, I, you know i wouldn't say it's because they're making any rash decisions because of the performance this team you know, has always been a team that can, you know, ebb and flow a bit, but due to its structure, unless it does operate completely independently, it's never going to be one that could almost, you know, challenge alongside or, or hyper close to its sister team. Yeah. Um, well, we've certainly seen it challenge, you know, for sometimes, you know, fourth and fifth in races pretty consistently, and there's yeah. no reason it can't go back to that. Um, and especially if they've seen, look, they've made a bit of a rocky start here, they could shortcut it by taking advantage of that relationship and, you know, help to, to catch up a bit, you know, catch up to, to the likes of those that are, you know, Alpine that are in the middle. They might be trying to jump, you know, to, uh, for next year. So yeah. it, look at all, it all makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, I guess points that I didn't really touch on earlier regarding Alpha Tower, you know, we, I, I mentioned that I think it's, it's going to be Sonoda and Ricardo in for next year, but, you mentioned the Red Bull Junior program, how they got a lot of junior drivers. Um, and, you know, we've mentioned Perez potentially. They once again have seemingly the strongest junior lineup because their juniors in multiple areas are doing very well yes, for themselves. Yes, <laughs> quite. Um, it's, I don't, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, to know what they're going to do. Like you said, I think it's, it's definitely one of those that you kind of have to wait to see how it plays out. But, um, you know, you've got, Liam Lawson, who's currently P2 in Super Formula, he's, like, killing he's it. He's performing he's so well over there. doing very, very well. Um, you know, you've got... There is Iwasa in, in F2. He's not... He has his moments, but I think he's not doing quite enough. He's not killing it, but he's still he's doing, doing okay, well enough. Yes, if he didn't yeah. have an alternative, you could do a lot worse. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> a lot um, worse. And then obviously you've got the uh, you know the, the Ricardo to take the Perez seat story for for twenty twenty four as well, and you know there's the comments from Max coming is like he's open to being teammates with Ricardo again, saying he never wanted him to leave in the first place, and it's like okay, yeah. okay, that's an interesting, interesting thing to say. <laughs> so um, yeah, like you say, it's it's definitely going to have to play out for the rest of this year. For now, I don't really see anything changing for for twenty twenty four. Unfortunately for Lawson, but uh, I think I think he just at the moment just has to focus on hopefully winning that Super Formula, and then again maybe doing a a, a Drogovic or what a Porsche might kind of do it, and just sort of coming in. You feel as, like as if a, he does win Super Formula, he'd more be in a Piastri where he's almost destined for the AlphaTauri. See yeah. where it does open up, right? Yeah. Like if there was. If someone like Iwas or any of those F2 drivers had dominated the F2, mm. that would be the only case to put them ahead of, a, of you know, of the queue of someone like Lawson. Sure. But, um, you know, even if you look at Lawson's F3, F2, etc. career, which was still arguably as strong as any of those other drivers are having, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, Red Bull, as we saw with, with Gasly and others, does like to put them through this Super Formula program. Yeah. Um, and Super Formula every year still gets stronger and stronger. It's arguably, you know, if you do better in that, it's more of a showing than it is to do in F2. Mm. Um, because for, for Japan, that's a massive series. It has a lot of veterans, a lot of great... It's it's very much a spec series as well as much as F2 and F3 is. Yeah. And of course, you're in a complete culture change. So yeah. if you're coming from a non-Japanese background, you know, if you do well, it shows a lot about your character. Sure. Um, and Lawson, you know, from where you still have maybe one or two question marks over his head from more traditional, you know, European series. Um, he's completely eradicated those and shown that he's actually doing super well. So from that yeah. aspect, you know, as you say, if someone like Yuki or Ricardo absolutely dunced it, yeah. you would see no hesitation to put him in. But if they don't, which at this stage looks to be the case, mm. you'd think they're saying, right, then we'll wait on it because, of course, there's some pretty interesting story to play out. And then whoever that plays out, Lawson would then be next in line to go in there. And yeah. then I guess after him, you'd have some of those other juniors which are now showing their way, right? Um, but still, it's it's this case of the Red Bull system where they seem to have, you know, no drivers in the background, and then some yeah, of them have too many the drivers, drivers in the yep. background. Yep. Um, and I guess it, it's there is another interesting element. Um, I won't go into this too long, but um, where you know Red Bull have had the likes of like Mark or Vettel or mm-hmm. you know even DC in their early years, which have kind of come through and shown strength for a few years, but then have obviously tailed off, so they can still have some sort of rotation for drivers. Whereas for Max, you know, he's been here for quite a number of years now. And he's and just going to stay still there. don't see him <laughs> doing that Vettel, yeah. right? Where suddenly he sees sees a drop, right? It could be possible, you know. There's there's a reason that some of the records he's beating are Vettel's records. Mm-hmm. But um, it's 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 a, it's completely different, you know, to, to the culture. You know, Vettel, yes, grew up with that team, but it still felt like a team that was, you know, growing with him. While this was like a solid established Red Bull off the back of that, that Max has come in and it's just... You know, their, their veins, their blood pumps through each other, right? Yeah. Unless there's total chaos and destruction in the team, then, you know, that's the only reason Max would ever think about leaving. Um, yep. Similar to, I guess, Hamilton and Mercedes, right? It's the same case there. The difference is Mercedes don't have 10 juniors going through. They have one yep. who isn't really knocking at the door so they don't have a problem, you know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so it's, yeah, I, I, I was looking at an article earlier today that said it's almost like... Um, it's not a problem Red Bull have, but because they're not doing this even four or five year rotation of their King driver anymore, it does, you know, still mean that they're growing drivers that are really only going to be for that second seat. And at this case, it seems like they want to be Ricardo for that, that second yep. seat, which is even more interesting, right? When you look at, you know, Yuki's there. I still don't think he's material. You know, you never nah. pick him over someone like Gasly, but I still think he's fine for that Alpha Tari, you know, leadership seat, let's call it right. You know, yep. Gasly did it for years where he, nurtured and took in new rookies and showed them what to do you feel like yuki's just gonna be that role for as long as he wants seems like particularly after this year Um, exactly um but the other juniors yeah it's like they can come in but you still think even for for lawson for awasa for any of the others even in the next five six years they're still not ever going to be the number one red bull driver because max is still going to be there there. there. it changes the culture a little bit you know um so I feel like we're starting to see that, you know, this cycle's like every six, seven years for Red Bull. We're starting <laughs> to see a new cycle now where rather than yeah. having no drivers and they're having to borrow from other teams, pull people back that were, you know, previously in their years ago, like Hartley, like Kvyat, mm-hmm. um, they're maybe next year, the year after, going to have way too many, but, you know, they're just giving them all average seats or they're not sure what to do. Yep. But um, I think they've got still a little bit, hopefully to see how everyone plays out. 
And as long as not every driver in their book is killing it, then, you know, yeah. it should sort itself out in a pretty logical order. But <laughs> we'll see how it yeah, goes. best case scenario. That's <laughs> it what... is Red Bull. Yeah. yeah, we've been through this before. We'll see how it yeah, goes. Yeah, I think the only thing stopping Lawson from definitely getting some kind of seat is um, uh, super license points, I think, is a big question for him because it, like Super Formula yeah. doesn't give a lot of super license points, even if he does win it for instance, and then maybe sits like one year on the sidelines at AlphaTauri before getting, or AlphaTauri Red Bull before getting the AlphaTauri seat the following year. I don't know what a super license points look like spending. Like, it's almost the same as that IndyCar problem, right? Exactly, like yeah. Running into. Yeah, like I think you'd have to give him probably a lot of practice sessions. I think you'd have to probably maybe even put him in another racing program for part of the year as well to make yeah. sure he keeps up enough points to, to get or that seat. Or try to appeal year. for like veto. I know there is some sort of right. veto program, yeah. right? Or the FIA, you know, you can try to push to get them to override it in, you know, logical faith. You mm. know what I mean? Like if they say, look, he won Super Formula in his first year, yeah. he should be an F1. Won Super go, Formula, mm, should okay, have won we'll DTM. Like, bro, come on, just give him That's the seat. That's very true. He was the driver that basically almost won should DTM, have won which it, yeah. really... <laughs> That was some controversy yeah. now, but that was still very, very competitive. Yes, yeah. So That's like, perfect case for you. Yeah, I, I, I feel like if, if you're going to veto anyone, if he's if he does that, you, surely he would be like, the, the if they don't veto him, they're not vetoing anyone. So The system is broken. Exactly. Everyone's going to agree to say, we need to rewrite this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Even yeah. though they already need to, mind you, but that would be the icing on the cake. Yes, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's all I had to, to say about that. That's, again, another big... Yeah. story point that has yet to play out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of that a lot of that happening at the moment. But um uh keeping on the twenty twenty four stories, the twenty twenty four calendar dropped as well. Um there's a couple of interesting changes uh in that one. The first being that Japan's moved to like quite a bit earlier in the year, which mm. um I mean I prefer. I like having Japan a little bit earlier because it means one well one we can watch on Sunday afternoon and not Sunday night slash Monday morning slash Monday afternoon. So that's nice. And we get mm-hmm. that sort of earlier in the year rather than that being pushed back to later. Um, I don't know how that affects with like weather. Cause I think it was moved yeah. to, um, well, that's Northern hemisphere. So that's spring as opposed to autumn. Um, it was obviously quite wet the last time we went to Japan. That was again, another controversial, um, uh, controversial. Let me look it up. I want to find out exactly when it was moved to. So it was moved to yeah, like April fifth. So it it's now directly after Japan. Uh, so d- directly after Australia is Japan, and I think it makes sense now that because yep. we've got China try, again trying to come back onto the calendar for next year, we've now got a run of Australia, Japan, China, um, and I think this is probably why they've moved it is to try and keep this it. This is the um correct. This is the the culmination of what they've been talking about they want to do as one of the uh biggest effectors of their emissions yes um, in terms of that that air freight and that air travel so they said for a while they want to have it so they visit each area of the world almost as its own you know little mm. not little championship but you know little little corner whereas you know right now they go to some sort of logical order but it does jump back to you know some places repeatedly um yep Whereas it seems like they put down the foot, they said, right, next year we're actually properly putting this in place. Yeah. So you get the likes of Japan, which is in, you know, this kind of area, um, you know, 
very much near the start with the other races that are actually in that area yeah. um we've seen places like azerbaijan move much further back where it's more in that um area of the world as well so, um, yeah that's true that was the other one that moved yeah they've yep. been talking about doing this for a long time and it seems like they've finally gone right this is the year to do it yep. so yep. um again it almost makes it feel more natural where each weekend you're not sure if it's an early race for us a late race for us uh 2 a.m uh, 10 p.m mm. it's almost now going to go more in groups which you know i think is, is nice for us but um mm. it will make a big difference i guess to their goals definitely um, for, for carbon emissions and everything um and let's be real it's it's a it's a 24 race calendar it's a, it's a thick calendar it's a right so yeah having everything grouped as they can will of course make it easier for the teams the mechanics less flying less tax less no nights of sleep on them as well so yeah. really i think it's good to use this year to probably say right we know we're ramping up and we're gonna you know do this big change we've talked about for for years now so yep. it's good to see yeah definitely the only one i'm like looking at this 2024 calendar the only one that's sort of a bit confusing to me maybe they just because of scheduling issues again like you say it's such a big calendar there's only so much they can yes. do um we go bahrain saudi arabia which by the way as a side note they are potentially next year likely to be held on saturday the the races due to to ramadan yes um which yeah. again great for us that's awesome that means we can watch them <laughs> Fucking mega i'm us. so happy because that would mean the first five races of the season we've got bahrain saudi arabia which will be on saturday then we've got australia japan china which will all be at viewable times for us as well before we go on the first five races content, right? oh my easy. god they just love australians right now it's about freaking time <laughs> um but yeah anyway the side note i i'd be happy if they did that but we i haven't seen anything else on it i think it was just like talks to do that um like i said it was due to to that ramadan for um for 2024 and possibly beyond i think it's just where the 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 dates line up so but we'll we'll see what happens like that'll come up sort of later in the year i'm i'm sure or potentially over the um the season break at the end of the year but uh yeah like the only one we see like we've got bahrain saudi so that makes sense then move to australia japan china and then we go to miami before going back to imola so miami's a bit of an outlier where that one probably should be with canada which is a few races later so it goes miami imola monaco canada spain and it feels like yeah. you should be able to try and get miami and canada in the same sort of times there's there's still ways they could improve it there may Mm. be you know local things they've agreed to so yeah um, obviously you don't see this as you know if you just looked at it in black and white where i said in terms of time zones and travel what's the best way to do this you know there's still a lot of ways you could compartmentalize this definitely Um, but it still looks a lot um, better than it has in the past like yeah yeah definitely. as we say this is the biggest change in terms of that general going to each different area you know and then we've had in a, a long time we've always talked about having like the europe leg but all the other legs haven't really been a leg it's <laughs> yeah kind of a yeah. jump around you know where this yeah. does feel more like you can talk about different legs and then still a bit to work out but i think over time you know they're going to um Mm. continues to make changes like this so yeah yeah the american leg is actually like that's very it's very much its own thought, sort of thing now so like i said the asia one we've got uh or oceana asia which is australia japan china they've got those singapore's sort of on its yep. own but they've coupled that with azerbaijan which i think kind yes. of makes the most sense there's really no other yep. places that couple well with that so i think they've done that quite well um, and then you go uh, Circuit of the Americas, 
Mexico, Brazil, Las Vegas, and they're all grouped together yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, and I think the only other thing you could do is like you could put something like an Azerbaijan closer to Qatar and Abu Dhabi at the end, but then you've still got Singapore there by itself. And then do you want to try and move Singapore up with Australia, Japan? And then it just becomes, I feel like that just becomes a bit too complicated. So yeah, like, uh, Singapore may have other reasons that needs to happen at that time of year. True. Well, right? yeah. Later in the they, they, they have earlier, quite a wet so. season in Singapore as well. So this is probably the Correct. best, best chance to, to get, you know, the, the most amount of running. Yeah. So decent conditions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think it's it's uh, it looks like a pretty good calendar. I know it's what twenty four races. I think are, I'd be surprised if we get any more than twenty four. I know a lot of lot of uh, drivers, teams, uh, people have been outspoken that you know twenty four is like the max. That if they had any more than twenty four, then they need to have like second teams for uh, like the the yes. B teams for the. The, the F1 teams so that way they could rotate. If I have set the maximum they ever want to support in the meantime is 25, right? Yeah. Which they could yeah. maybe squeak in somewhere, but they've said any more than that, they need a general, yeah, entire restructure on how they do things Definitely. to make it possible, you know, yeah. like a B team of mechanics, et cetera, as you say. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, I think very positive and, uh, yeah, looking at, yeah, having a real good look at that calendar, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. But yeah, let us know your yeah. thoughts in, in the comments as well. Um, I mean, there's still... There's still so many tracks that I know they want to get to. Like, there's still the South Africa that they want to. They so want to try continents, and... yeah, and regions that yeah, they want to get to. Yeah, yeah. So. so I don't know what they. You know, they're talking about the Madrid one. They there's talks of, you know, do they want to try and get back to to Portugal or Turkey? Like these tracks yeah, that came South up. South Africa, or Argentina. Argentina. Yep. Yep. Um, what was the other one? There was one that was for Colombia. South Africa. Yeah. They were talking about a lot. Yeah, I think um, I think Colombia came up before the Madrid one came up. Uh, yeah. Um, was it? I think it was Colombia. Like there's, 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 uh, they're obviously in talks. They still want the second China one as well. Like when they go back to China, yes. still, I like I don't. They're obviously having a lot of these talks, but whether or not they're they're gonna go through, yeah, I think I think the South it's, Africa it's, one. It's in a better spot where they were ten years ago, where they were struggling to get you know new places that wanted to take them on. It's nice. It's a good problem to have when they have too many places that want to actually host the race you know i mean we saw that transformation even for melbourne where it was looking pretty dire it was losing a lot of money and now they've completely revamped the track and signed an extremely long contract you know mm. everyone's saying we're very happy here we're actually making money this is fantastic for melbourne and everyone else is going oh we want to do it now too yeah <laughs> so yep yep yeah definitely no i think it's it's very positive signs it's good to see that that formula one at least financially uh, is is in a very very good it's position. Healthy, yeah. yeah, very healthy. So it's done well to get out of COVID. We haven't looked at yeah. that bigger picture, but um, yeah, when things look dire in COVID, it's doing it's doing well. The teams and all that, hundred percent, um, pretty happy. I guess. Hey, hey, if you don't have another topic leading into teams that are happy yep. in other teams, what a good segue. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the uh, the next point that I had here is you, you heard about Andretti, obviously uh, trying to apply. From from twenty twenty six. How about high tech? Mm-hmm. You know high tech, that F two F three team and other other series. Yeah, they've they've applied to enter F one from twenty twenty six, um, along with Andretti as well. And the early reports or early rumors that they set that both applications are set to be approved as well, which would mean we go back to having twelve teams on the grid. Um, that seems awesome, and I think high tech is is a real 
that'd be a real awesome one in, in particular because then you'd have like a straight direct you know f3 f2 f1 you have high tech high tech high tech it's not like ferrari have uh you know they have some sway in prima or you know things like this it's like no they have a team in formula one so if you can get a spot i feel like that gives the you know if you get a a, a drive on high tech in formula three formula two and you can uh you know show your worth there then you can basically get this direct route into formula one um through that I team. guess it depends if they plan to continue those, right? They may say, actually, we need all our resources on the F1, so that's when they may yeah. cut off some of those ties. Um, in a best-case scenario, they don't need to, though, and you're right. They sure. actually have that 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 direct link-up, which we haven't seen in, in some time. You yeah. know, I think they used to have some link-up. Like, I think Lotus used to run like an F2 when they had a kind of F1 and something like that, mm. but... Um, yeah, it would be it would be unique to see, but of course, yeah, the, the Andretti thing has been the main topic over the past two years, yeah. I guess, and is where a lot of the discussions come up, both from the Andretti side, who are trying to you know show that they basically have everything to go, and then we've actually seen how the culture within F one has changed a bit, mm-hmm. where they've been very resilient to that change, where even though they have this rule where yes, you can enter, but you need to pay out a, a fee to basically compensate the other teams who are going to lose some base revenue because it's being split between more teams yep. um you know teams start to say well that's different we should up it there are yeah. other factors that are now new as of the last 12 months um so that was already the case with one fully suited team yeah and yet now it seems that there is there is the two and of course you know andrea didn't just come in and we're knocking and trying to get any chance f1 did launch a proper tender process yep. i think Andretti showed some interest just before then so they, of course, submitted when it actually came out. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, F1 did say they received, you know, a, a number of different um, proposals that they would go through and, and veto through. Um, and as you're saying, the recent reports seem to be these two have gone through and are being very much seriously considered. Yeah. Um, which isn't just one, but but two extras potentially. Yeah. Um, when for, I'm, I'm not too sure. But, um, you know, this isn't kind of, I guess, a new process. We haven't had a process to try and get new teams since you know a while ago and this is under a completely different form of f1 it's an actual you know cost cap controlled f1 which is basically the first time this has really happened in, in this degree so um i think maybe a bit unknown on how things progress from here but the fact that it seems to have progressed thus far is is exciting and similar to the circuits shows that there is an appetite there is a desire you know we've yeah. had all this russian circuits come through that we can't fit we had all that talk on on engine suppliers, which still, you know, has kind of bubbled down now. But there was, you know, things that came out of that from Audi and you yep, know, yep. entities like Porsche, Porsche which might yep. have dropped off, but they still had strong interest. And Ford. there's no reason those discussions aren't exactly yep. brilliant. One Ford, very good. Um, there could be others that have kind of come up, right? There's yep. no reason why they couldn't if, if that proves to be fruitful. So it shows that everyone's in a very healthy place. Um, I think. The teams are all fair enough saying, look, we've finally reached a great balance. Mm. Let's be careful we don't yeah. upset the balance, right? Yeah. Understandable. They've finally got stakeholders that are happy with it. Mm. They've got to make them happy. But F1 also needs to ensure that it grows in, in all aspects, not sure. just tracks on manufacturers, but if it can, the teams as well, right? Because ultimately, more cars you got on track, the more action you're going to have, the more, you know, everything. Definitely, so, yeah. Um, I took your thunder a bit there. No, but, um, no, that's I'm, fine. I'm just excited. Yeah. I, I'm very excited about this. No, it's good. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very much excited. And like, like you say, particularly with Andretti, it feels like every time, uh, you know, you have uh, Toto obviously is being the very sp- outspoken one, but a lot of the, uh, yes. um, a lot of the teams and, and, and 
it, not so much drivers, but definitely the team management have basically come out and said, like, every time they come out with some kind of comments, like, oh, no, this is the reason why we can't have it. Andretti's been like, okay, no, that's yeah. fine. No, we're good. Like, oh, no, but they're this. And like, oh, no, no, that's fine. We've got that sort yes. of all. And it's just like, <laughs> no, they've, they've thought about it. Like, they've got, they, yes. I, I just, I don't know how they could, it, it just seems like they have everything ready to go whenever they and need to. And that's the job of the yeah. FIA, right? The exactly, FIA, yeah. fair enough, is going to take into consideration, you know, general issues the teams are raising. Yeah. As we say, the teams are trying to to cover their brand. Um, but, you know, if, if I put a tenure out and given a checklist and you hit all those check marks, there is no reason why then it shouldn't yep. progress. Yeah, exactly. You know, all those check marks that everyone at the time set out for, it's not fair that you suddenly go, oh, exactly. sorry, yeah, you agreed to now. You agreed to all these and you signed exactly. that thing, the... the Yep. bloody con- was it the concord agreement or whatever they call it it'd be some yeah. yes i think that's long gone but there'd be some yeah. form of that yes yes, yes, yes. yeah <laughs> like that yeah so like that you signed all those you can't just be like oh no we need to change it again now because the xyz it's just like well no you signed yeah. it so it's it's like a contract it's like yeah. if you sign it co- and that's why it's in the fa's hands right <laughs> exactly, that's why they're yeah. the ones that actually yeah. have to review and make the decision yeah so. yeah so it's so, like yeah you sign a, a work contract it's like oh, actually no i don't want to do mm. i don't want to do this specific task or this type of job where i'm where i'm working and it's like well you know you don't you don't get to choose that because you already signed yes. the contract it's like, well we can talk about yeah. it but this is still what you sign and review and exactly. said you're okay for yeah, so, so. <laughs> ultimately we make the last decision here based on what you signed buddy yeah yeah and and uh yeah as you say it, the the signs are looking very positive for both teams and from from what i've seen it looks like both teams are looking sort of 2026 um andretti yes. potentially i think they were initially looking 2025 i don't know if that's still the Trying case to get a year head start yes on those, yeah bigger changes that are going to happen in 2050 yeah yeah exactly so i i'm not entirely sure if that's still the case there's been less sort of uh you know immediate news about andretti that's again just sort of an ongoing thing but um, mm-hmm. We'll definitely have to wait and see. So, but it's signs are good. We might go back to to having having twelve teams again. That would be uh, very exactly. very interesting. And who knows what drivers come in for both those yeah, teams as well? That's like that's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, Andretti obviously, do they want to try and get? Do they want to try and snag a, an indie driver in? You know, um, like yes. an Alex Pillow, who's just been sued by mclaren that's a whole thing too i was gonna um, say there's a whole <laughs> bit of people making joke videos about yeah. yes suing f1 contracts all sorts from there that's, yeah. that's been a good silly season yeah. but save it for our uh, a future indycar podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. get yeah. big enough to surely cover that type of news <laughs> yeah yeah i'll have to start watching it first anyway yeah. Uh, <laughs> um yeah but like the, the the very last point that I had that I, I did want to mention as well, uh, the F one Academy, which is a good which, one to end on. Yeah, the F one Academy, really really good. They started it this year. It's the uh, the all female feeder series, um, which is run by Formula One, like the Formula One team. Correct. It's the spiritual successor to the W series. So Correct. They had yeah. the W series um, for a few years, which was almost at like an F three point five level, I believe. Yeah. Um. And it was kind of running alongside F1, but it was like a separate thing. Yeah, um, run independently. And they did a good step where they started actually um, having that on some of the race weekends. Yeah. They would, I think, like at Austria and some others, they they would be there at the same time. But mm-hmm. um, W Series kind of fizzled out a bit, and in its ashes, you know, I guess it's still FIA, but F1 in particular, yeah, um, has come out and they've actually, you know, they've had this F1 Academy um, thing this year, which is. I think it's scoped down a little bit in terms of grid size, but yeah, there's fifteen five um, five teams, fifteen drivers. Correct. Yes. Yes. 
Um, and it's a similar thing where it's only female drivers, but it's a lot more tightly managed directly by, I guess, the same board uh, you know that, that runs kind of F1. Yep. Um, so they've been running that this year. They've been you know doing some races on it so far the past couple of months. Um, and the evolution of that, um, which I guess is what we're we're talking about here, is that almost every F1 team will be. I don't want to say forced, but they will have a at least a single driver that they are actually fully supporting, as if they do for a junior driver from F2, F3, etc. And have the liveries. And that also means yep. that, that correct that car will be covered in their livery, and I think they're also moving to have those races again on the actual F1 weekend. Every as single well, one right now, yep. whether yep. yes, you got okay. So it is every single race will actually be there as well. So Pretty that sure, means yeah. that of course people you know fans will get um to, to view it and get exposed to it but also it puts them even more in the limelight of um you know the idea of this isn't just to do it f- for a bit of fun right the idea is to actually get you know i guess this running for a few years so then you get some new talent of, of women coming through going hey i'm not just trying to pay out a ton to try and show up in f4 and get through right i'm actually you know could go through f1 academy duke it out with other women um and if you're a young driver try to actually show yourself up against the more experienced women and then You've got you know the public seeing you, the F one team seeing you, and then it's an easier bridge for them to, to get into the to, to the sport, right? As as girls. Um, yep, yep, definitely. Is, I think it's a great. I think it's a great. Um, what do you call it? Advancement on the on the W series, which I think has yep. been fantastic so far, but probably reached its its. Yeah, and its I think that, I think funding, potential. We fun, had the funding same wise. I think they sort of correct. ran out. Yeah, fizzled out a bit. Yes, they had the same. You know, Jamie Chadwick impressively did very well but yeah again if that alice powell i think did quite well as well so correct yeah yeah. so they they did get a few names out of that which was good to get you know people actually talking about that um but it still didn't result in much more than you know a a test and reserve which i think you know um some teams did yes they were doing it to evaluate them but i think yes also doing it to try and support them but not necessarily you know as a stronger level as they would you know uh, potentially another junior on pure performance um yeah but the more things we have like this means that more girls, I guess, the idea is they're going to enter at the grassroots, right? Exactly. Where right now you have yes. 98% of yeah. kids carding are, are boys, right? Yeah. Then you actually change that split. You got a lot more girls into it. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually, you know, even more ways to for them to show their talents yeah. in the next few years as well. Yeah, so, well, I think it's, it's actually, it's, it's interesting that we're talking about it now because the comparison that I'm going to try and make is, you know, recently oh, yeah. we had the the Women's World Cup with Australia as well, yes. making the, uh, the the semi-final and becoming the most watched sporting event in Australian history, uh, which or the most watched TV event in, in Australian history, which is incredible. Yes. And that's, that's... Which is fantastic. Which is awesome. And, you know, obviously there's the, all these... Um, uh, to go on a slight segue, but you know the, you have the um, the the players from from the Australian women's team talking about how you know they didn't even there was no when they were growing up there were no women's soccer teams or yeah. football teams they had to play with with the the, the guys it's like they just didn't have yeah. a choice you had to do that so um, and I feel like this this is the the foundation for them for, for the the younger girls to be inspired to then sort of go into it which then brings the interest which 100%. then brings the the foundation like that's that's sort of how it works and i think they have particularly with the the f1 academy they have that w series to at least that's the real base foundation that gave them the idea that okay this mm-hmm. is something that we really need to focus on you know you had outspoken people like you know your hamiltons and your vettels and you know who were really being like hey we need this something we really need to pursue um you know 
referencing the W series and it's it's really awesome that Formula One has stepped up to to take over yeah. and because it is Formula One as well you know people who you know we we, we sort of we see a lot of this stuff because we're so yes. into the space and we watch a lot of the feeder series, but there's a lot of people who only watch Formula One. They don't see all this outside stuff. And the fact that this is now run by F1, they might not have even known W Series existed. But now because this is run by F1, it's like, oh, this is something that exists. Um, and it's it's only going to become more in the public eye, especially now that it's like all the races are going to be at formula one weekends like it's going to be completely aligned it's going to have you know uh drivers backed by these formula one teams it's going to have the formula one style liveries you know it's going to be it's it's it, just going to generate that discussion that's exactly that's yeah and that's that can only be a good thing so, so um yeah. yeah i think this is particularly this f1 academy the way that they're, they're, they're uh, developing it i think is, is just going to be an incredible foundation for it might not eventuate uh, you know, in the next even two or three years, but definitely over the next 10, uh, 10 15 years, I think mm. it could be, uh, you know, you could look back at this and say, yep, this is the reason why we have, uh, you know, two, three female drivers in F1 now. And I yeah, think yeah, sure. that'd be like an incredible, incredible target considering <laughs> considering how male-dominant, like you say, it, it has been. So um, I think it's, yeah, really, really awesome. Couldn't agree more. I think they've done a lot of good space in getting girls like off the track in more of like yes. the garage spaces. They've done yep. a lot of work recently on that. Yep. Um, and I think it's a good step to, yeah, focus more on the driver's side. So yep. it's, it's fantastic to see. Hopefully it continues to be worked on and um, we see some real positive benefits from it. 100%. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to end. We don't usually end on a real happy note. So I that's... So. Uh... My... Um, <laughs> my laptop may be yelling at me that it's low on battery so a good time to ah, wrap up beautiful <laughs> let's let's wrap it all up but uh yeah like i said it's long one real long one a lot of stuff to talk about that ended up being two hours that's incredible yeah, uh thanks for sticking with good. me carl it's, i realize it's probably we quite haven't had late. one like no we haven't had one like this for a while it's, it's a good time yeah some of the details and the I, track content but, I, do, um, I do like doing a lot of the long long form podcasts it's just yeah, yeah in terms of it's just us two both having full-time jobs. The amount of time required to even just yeah. find time to record this, let alone edit and then That's upload yeah. on a regular basis. It's just not going to happen. So, yep. um, but maybe in the future, cause I do like these long form podcasts. I, I think I generally prefer cause you can get really into the crux of a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the topics, but uh, yeah, let us know what you think. If there's anything we missed, let us know. I'm sure we missed a, a lot. There's been so much, um, so many points, but um yeah thanks for for tuning in if you happen to make it this far uh whether you're watching on youtube or listening on spotify or apple podcasts or whatever whatever we're on these days um but uh yeah (laughs) when you when you hear or see us next we'll be uh, we'll be doing our preview for the dutch grand prix coming up in um Oh, less yeah, less than a week's time now. That's yeah, or yeah. about about less a week's time. Week. Yes, yeah, only yeah. Saturday. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to get back, and very curious to see how the rest of the season plays out. But uh, thank you again, Kyle. Uh, have a safe flight home, and uh, shall do. And we'll uh, we'll we'll see everyone in uh, a few days for the the Dutch Grand Prix preview. Take care, everyone. Take care, all. <laughs>